1: can was bad that's
2: Welcome to the debut episode of Open the Voice Gate. I had a second there where I forgot what we were calling this thing. I am John, and let's introduce the entire host panel. Let's start with Jules. Hi, Jules.
3: Hi!
4: Hi, um, so yeah, my name is Jules. Um, I don't really know what I should say. I'm 20 years old. Um, and I'm probably the one who's been into Dragon Gate for the least amount of time, so...
2: Yeah, I'm probably the one who's been in the longest, I think, and I'm also the oldest you're by, like, old. I know, I am so old. I am an old man.
1: Nah. Uh, you should be
2: man. <laughs> I should also mention, like, I'm the voice of the wrestling Dragon Gate columnist. That seems important Yeah. mention. <laughs> hi, Shane. Say hi, Shane.
3: Hi, I'm Shane. I've actually not been into Dragon Gate for a super long time, but... I have a tendency to get really, really deep into anything I find interesting. So I've picked up a lot of information in a very, very short amount of time.
2: That's cool. I did that. Did Did you do what I did when I first was getting into it and just, like, live on Jay's page for, like, a week straight? Yeah. That's pretty much what I did. I mean, yeah, right? I think Jay, we all did that.
3: Yeah. Jay is an invaluable resource. Mm-hmm. Who hates my guts, I think. <laughs> <laughs>
5: Hi, Case. Hi. How's everybody How's everybody doing? Good. Good. Yeah, I don't know. I'm the uh, Dragon Gate reviewer for, for uh, Voices of Wrestling. And, uh, yeah, Dragon Gate's pretty good. Uh, so that's why we're here, and that's what we're going to talk about.
4: <laughs> so <laughs> This should be our headline.
5: Like,
2: Dragon Gate's pretty good, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so I, maybe we should mention how we got into it. Um, my origin story is pretty boring. I was at a... Jersey All-Pro Wrestling show, of all things, like, 15 years ago. Here I am, like, a teenager, and there was this table that had... Oh, I think it was called Mayfield Mayhem. Old people will know what I'm talking about. And, like, they had all these tapes and stuff, right? And one of the tapes they had was a Torimon compilation. <gasps> and I bought it, and it was awesome. It was so awesome. Like, I think... I'm pretty sure the main event was... Oh, it, it was the M2K versus, um, Crazy Max, like, match slash angle where they, like, hogtied them and, like, whipped the crap out of them. And it was like, what kinky. is even going on here? Yeah, it was very kinky. So, I mean, that's how I got into it. And then after that, it's just been like, like, it's all, all the other promotions have come and gone for me as a fan. Toriumon slash Dragon Gate is, like, the constant in my life. I never really get sick of it at all.
4: That's so, cool.
2: Jules, Jules, how'd you get into it?
4: I don't actually remember. <laughs> I think it was. I think I probably like saw something on Tumblr, because that's how I get into. But I'm probably gonna get called a fake fan for this. But I probably just saw Yamato's face and I was like, okay, who are you? <laughs> Which you that know, totally, that's totally valid. Let's be. It, it's. I feel like it is as as good as... like an, Entry into Dragon Gate as it is, because I mean he's like probably one of the most recognizable faces of Dragon Gate right now. I feel. Yes. He has a very recognizable face, but yeah, I think that was probably it. Just like saw some gifs on Tumblr and I was like, this looks interesting. (laughs) It's very, it's a very boring story, but that's pretty much how it happened. And then I just binge watched stuff. So. Yeah. Shane, how'd you get into it?
3: Actually, it was uh, gift sets of Yamato's face that got me <laughs> into the Tumblr. I was it was after like it was after like I became so jaded toward American wrestling that I just kind of like was so into Puro. So I started following like everybody who just posted Puro. And one day, this gift set pops up of this attractive wrestler whose name I did not recognize. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, okay, first of all, who is he? And second of all, where does he wrestle? Because I don't. Think I've ever seen him in New Japan, for what I've watched of it, and then I look up and I'm like Dragon Gate. Oh yeah, the American branch that like closed down because it got so horrible that Evolve like absorbed what was left of it.
2: Yeah, let, let us never speak of Dragon Gate USA again.
3: We we, we really <laughs> shouldn't. Like the only like there was there was it was it was bad. Um, but like within a very short amount of time, um with the you know, few resources out there online that are really good for Dragon Gate. I got really, really, really into it like shockingly fast. I think it's uh like I actually know the exact date too because I went back and checked the date on the gift set and it was the anniversary of nine <laughs> eleven.
4: <Well, okay. laughs> yeah, Mato well did nine eleven, confirmed. <laughs> confirmed. <laughs>
3: And I'm what like, the that's, fuck? like that's a little bit disturbing, but like now I'm literally never gonna forget the date. <laughs> well no so-
4: Forget okay. that date, but you know. I'm I'm only French, so I couldn't couldn't say anything. <laughs>
2: All right, I think we need to move on from that as quickly as possible. <laughs> Case, how did you get into Dress? Well, I feel bad that One,
5: I can't follow the 911 story, but <laughs> two, I've got to get <laughs> USA because uh, I found out about Akira Tozawa through PWG, and I saw his matches with Chris Hero and Kevin Steen, and I was like, I've got to get more of this dude in my life right now. Um, And so I sort of found out that he was working in Dragon Gate now and I started watching Dragon Gate USA when he was over there. Um, And so I got into Dragon Gate in the summer of 2013 when Monster Express first started forming because you had Uha and Ricochet and Shingo and Tozawa and Yoshino just being wonderful creatures on Earth. And so from there, I just started following Dragon Gate uh, with J-Site. I still live on J-Site. It's unhealthy how much I'm on there. Um, yeah, me too. And then Final Gate 2013 was like sort of the first like, pay-per-view that I sat down and watched all the way through. And I was like, this is the company for me. And that show, even in hindsight, isn't really that great. But at the time, it's like, this is everything that I really want from wrestling. And now I'm here doing a podcast about it, and I can't wait.
2: Uh-huh. So... So, like, the the Sozawa American tour, yeah, I, I saw, I was lucky enough to see him live a couple times during that. Um, He did Shikara Young Lions Cup, and I was there for that in 2010, and the, he was just, like, I obviously I already loved him as a Dragon Gate fan, but, like, you could already tell that he was operating on another level compared to what he had done before that. And then, obviously, he came back to Japan as part of Blood Warriors and just, like, shot like a cannon from there. But yeah, I mean he got he got so over with a crowd who I'm pretty sure had no idea who he was. So Tozawa is good, confirmed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he's
5: not bad. I mean that's just my personal opinion. Not not bad at all.
2: I think Tozawa um, is all right, I guess. <laughs> so case if you're a Monster Express stand, this must be a very difficult time for you.
5: <laughs> it's very difficult. It was hard when Shingo left, but now it's <laughs> really tearing at my heart.
4: saying a prayer.
5: Yeah, I mean, Sachioko boy's down at the dumps. I'm trying to pick him up, but he's just not answering his phone. <laughs> Tozawa's Brave Gate Championship list, so, like, he's, you know, he's in limbo right now. He's, he's got to attack Shingo at some point and get that Dream Gate title so I can cry like a baby. Um, I mean,
4: you and me both.
5: Yeah, oh, yeah. Man, it's gonna be... It's gonna they
2: will not be, be a dry eye on Kobe the point.
5: When he finally wins that gold. It's uh, gotta uh, be You've got Yoshino, who, like, I love him to death, but... You know he stands there and looks pretty, but man, he's not—he's not doing much for me right now.
4: And he's not even the prettiest member of, Mo- of Monster Express. I'm um, sorry.
5: Oh, not at all. Please, come on.
4: It's not Tozawa either, or Shachi.
3: She likes Teahawk.
4: See, me? I, this, I don't know what you're talking about.
5: Um, I don't like Teahawk with dark hair.
2: Blonde hair Teahawk, I thought looks pretty cool.
4: I will <laughs> agree with you on that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I, I, I'm on I'm on team blonde hair too he was way better at blonde hair what? I just said he was way better at blonde hair I agree
4: yeah I do miss the blonde hair but then again we can't really trust anyone who was in the millennials with anything related to hair
5: no that, you know, it's, really, it's really a shame that the millennials ended the way they did with all of them having such awful hair uh, it's really not the best uh, display of Japanese fashion
4: but Linda is you know Linda is carrying this horse, so
5: it's like the parents just leave for a weekend, and l Lindemann gets some hair dye, and all of a sudden he's got purple in his hair. It's really not not a good look for him. I, think that was, like
3: that. I don't I think, think there are words that. to describe Ada's hair at any point in time, like it's just gotten progressively stranger, <laughs> and there were periods when it was worse than like what it is now, but every time I see it, I'm like, why isn't anyone teaching you how to do your hair?" And, and the, then, I, and then I remember Gamma is like Dad number two, and that's why. Yeah. His hair is still a <laughs> I, think,
4: I think it was. Um, yeah, I like the recent Korakuen show where Aita just like showed up, like when um, over generation were like opening the show, and he had like just a tiny top knot on top of his head, and then he had like hair brushed down on his forehead, like he was in fucking Dead poet Society or something. <laughs> and I was just like, this of this child.
3: I liked that hair, so I can't really talk. I'm like, it I, looks nice when it's all like smooth and brushed down. It looked nice. The top knot did I, not can't. look nice, but the rest of it did.
4: But then again, I feel like we could do just an entire podcast, like an entirely different podcast about just hairstyles in Dragon Gate.
2: It's true. We definitely could. We should, yeah. probably. <laughs> we need Let to- us know. <laughs> Let us know, audience, if, if there's something you're interested in. Dragon Gate Hair Podcast. <laughs> the I, think,
4: I think there's something there.
3: I could write a sonnet on Horiguchi's hair, I'm just saying.
4: <laughs> okay. Do I have Horig- to shame you
2: right now? Horiguchi's air quotes, hair.
3: <laughs> it, it's hair, even if it's not necessarily <laughs> attached naturally.
2: I guess. Um, <laughs> I, I'm... I'm wig shaming,
3: I
4: guess. I don't. I don't know what I'm doing. No,
3: right no, not wig shaming. We can't do that here.
4: Okay. At least Mochi still has hair.
3: He's old though.
1: He's old. shut up. All right, so <laughs> we should
2: probably move yeah. on from hair yeah. before we like before we just start screaming at each other. Um, in the twenty. So 2015. <laughs> that's the main reason why we're here. I think is to do a review of 2015. Um, it was a hell of a year in Dragon Gate. I, I enjoyed it a lot. Probably, I would say it's my, it was my favorite year since 2011, as someone who's been watching for a long time. And, you know, Jay had that tweet where he said it was a year that felt like the first half happened 10 years ago. And that's true because of all the stuff that happened. But it's tough to remember this, but at the start of the year, like we were saying before the, before we started recording, Shima was a zombie in Mad Blanky. Oh. Like that was a thing. Yep. Like that that whole storyline, I don't know what you guys thought of it. I love the veteran zombie storyline. I thought that was just amazing. Because <sighs> you have you have this group of people who you have four people. They've all been heals before. They don't have a unit because of the millennials. So they're in this fuck this friggin' Dory Darts thing because of the Millennials. The darts land on them. They suddenly have a way to continue fighting the Millennials and they can go back to their heel roots, and they embrace it immediately. I thought the whole way that was done was just amazing. I don't know, you guys. Anyone have any thoughts on this Mad Blanky veteran and zombie (sighs) storyline?
5: I'll say this. I just remember during Doi darts, the look of joy on Naruki Doi's face when the kid hit Osaka 06 on the dartboard, and just Doi ear-to-ear grin like... This kid, he's coming home with me. He's my new child. I will take him in. (laughs) And the zombies were weird. I thought, like, Don Fuji shaving his hair and, like, looking like just an evil grandpa for a while was a really, really good look. Um, And I thought he was awesome because it's Don Fuji. Uh-huh. That Hawaiian shirt, that Hawaiian shirt, really <laughs> don't just,
4: like... No,
2: no.
5: <laughs> I loved everything about it.
4: We could do yet another podcast about fashion in Dragon Gate, but we're not. Let's not get into it right now. But that Hawaiian shirt was terrible.
3: We but need it, a podcast is just here. for the aesthetics, is what we need. Just a podcast about the aesthetics of Dragon Gate because there yeah. is so much there.
4: Shane, I think we're doing this after that. But yeah, no, I didn't didn't like the how, I didn't like the Hawaiian shirts and. Like watching, I didn't really mind it. I just thought that there were just too many people in Matt Blankey.
2: There were definitely a lot of people in Matt Blankey. And like, time. I don't,
4: I don't like it when when stables have too many people. It's just messy, and some people are just like left doing nothing, and it's. But it's just probably just like my personal opinion, but I just, uh, I didn't mind it, but it definitely isn't on my list of highs.
2: I got you. What did you think, Shane?
3: I mean, I like, I like goofy storylines. I mean, I spent a very long time being into Chikara. Um, so, like, the you know, the zombies and stuff, that was... It was interesting. It was definitely interesting to watch these guys who had been, like, these great, big, good guys for a really long time just, like, immediately go back to being evil. They're like, ah, oh, yes, this is great. This is a fun time. But like Jules said, when stables get to have too many members, like, it gets to feel crowded. And in a stable where you've already got guys, like... Cyber Kong and MandeRyu who aren't. I mean, they're not doing very much as it is, and, like, you know that you've got these guys that don't do very much, but, like, you're adding even more people. I feel like it just got to be really crowded in there, and, like, so many Mad Blanky shenanigans, so many people at ringside, and it's, like, just so many people. I was well done, but, like, I feel like they could have gotten the same effect with, like just a couple of them and not all of them in there at once.
2: Yeah, no, I, I understand what you mean. Um, So, so that whole storyline, though, it didn't last that long. It kind of wrapped up by Dead or Alive. Mm-mm. Shima lost his teeth. He lost his <laughs> hair. He lost his unit. That whole, that whole storyline was kind of <laughs> I, don't, I mean obviously part of it wasn't storyline part of it was just a terrible thing that happened to
3: him that picture but, is going to forever haunt me because I've seen it on Tumblr 5 million times and I'm like this is I, the most horrifying picture in the world stop repeating I,
4: I, I was just about to say that it was going to haunt my dreams for the rest of my life yeah it's the grin he has <laughs> over <laughs> losing not. his teeth,
2: that was that's definitely going to stick with me for a Space while a broken I, man.
3: I made keeper jokes about the wrong wrestler in dragon gate is what i came to realize
2: yeah yeah Yeah. so 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 caness obviously um he he at first acts like he's with the rest of the veterans and then goes right back to Mad blankie after they got kicked out did that surprise you guys a lot the time because it it shocked the hell out of me
5: yeah it surprised me and i was totally on board with it because i'm a huge caness fan um, like Jane, I think like the rest of you guys are. So for me, it was like giving Caness some directions. Totally, totally okay with me.
2: Yeah. No one else has any thoughts on this, on the Caness fake out?
3: I mean, pretty much what Kay said. It was nice to see him get some direction for a change, like to just do something different with him. Cause when you switch up, um, the directions that some of these wrestlers who have been in long time positions have been, it just gives them like a fresh start and a chance to show off, things they didn't really you know have before and i feel like he got more of a focus in mad Link and you know that comes into play later on when we start talking about the jimmies and just i, I love caness in general so like getting to see him do stuff and be important was really really great
2: yeah i agree i have nothing uh, to I, add. I was i was a little surprised that It ended up only lasting as long as it did because he just – he looked like he – like he he talked a lot about it afterwards, how much fun he was having as a heel again in Mad Blanky. He looked like he was having a blast, so I'm surprised they ended it so quickly. But um, that's a good transition into the Millennials, Jimmys, Mad Blanky, Unit to span Madness. Um, What an emotional (laughs)
5: time period for all of us.
2: Yeah, we were all – we all had a lot of feelings, I think during that period. So it starts with that three-way match at and Hall. Um now at the time, did you guys think the Millennials were probably losing that too cuz I actually was worried about the Jimmies. I'm be- being the- being a not smart person, I actually thought the Jimmies were losing that. I don't know.
5: I thought the Jimmys were losing, and I thought Mad Blanky was going to end up losing. Also, I thought the Millennials would still be here today, and they would be stronger than ever. But no, I was wrong because they got <laughs> flattened in the middle of the ring in Cork and Hall in a beautiful, yeah. awesome, wonderful match.
2: Did you guys wanna, see that coming too, or did I don't you think
3: it about awesome? it? I, I, I live in a constant state of being worried about the Jimmys disbanding because they've been around as long as they have, and now I'm just like, you know how that time clock is ticking down, when's it going to happen? But to take your youngest, hottest group at the time, who were, like, you know, making all these big changes and, like, were shocking everyone, and to disband them, that seemed like, I don't know, a strange decision at the time? Like, and some of them still haven't really found their direction and where they're going after it disbanded, so, like, I still <laughs> question, I still question, like, was that really the right time to do it? Because you look at where they are now, and... A lot of them haven't really gone anywhere. I mean, you know, T Hawk might, ha- you know, he's a, one of the Triangle Gate champions, but then you've got, like, UT who's getting, like, made fun of by the older wrestlers, and you've got Ada who's, like, just getting his butt kicked every time he goes up for the Brave Gate belt, and just, you gotta pin all your hopes on Linda because Linda's gonna be the one who comes through, but, like, all the rest of them haven't really gone anywhere. And I'm like, maybe it was a mistake to do that. Cause I feel like they didn't know what they were going to do with them after they disbanded them.
2: Well, see the, the issue I think with the millennials is, um, they, they clearly did not want the millennials to be heels for whatever reason. I, I don't really know why they fought that so hard. Like the millennials showed up as very, they were very tweener. They were clearly like very heelish when they first showed up. And then they tried to make them the baby faces against Matt Blanky. After the veteran army joined Mad Blankey, but it just never really worked, and the crowd really did cheer Mad Blankey more than they cheered the Millennials. And the problem is you can't have a unit that's so unpopular unless they're going to be heels. And they did not want to make so their options were either disband the Millennials or make them heels. And they clearly didn't want to make them heels for whatever reason because they they see T Hawk. I think it's because they see T Hawk as their future face star, which I. I kind of disagree with. I think he's probably going to be better off as a heel in the long run. But mm-hmm. if you believe that, then you need to disband the millennials. I think. So in hindsight, I get it. At the time, I was shocked. But yeah, like Kay said, though, what a match that was, though.
5: Uh, do you guys think in the end that the millennials were a success because UT had just about as a successful year as Stalker Ichikawa had in terms of <laughs> winning falls. <football. laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that's. Uh, the last fall UT won was in, like, late 2014. I don't think he actually won a fall this year, and Ichikawa pinned Punch Kaminaga twice in the summer. So, <laughs> it's still on for soccer. Um, Ato struggling, Kotoka has finally found footing, if you could say that. Um, L. the Man's obviously on the way up, and then you've got T-Hawk. Uh, but hey, don't... don't
2: forget Maria. Maria's winning every fall
5: lately. has got some momentum, headlining
4: Kobe World for sure.
5: <laughs> um.
4: no but if Daya Hearts is still around um, well after that match I would love to see her join them actually
5: is that because you want to write fanfiction for Mochizuki and Maria Shut
4: the... no I think she'd be a good
5: fit <laughs> Okay, you
4: just not be bad... opinion I don't need Maria to be in a unit to write fanfiction about her
5: that's a very valid point
3: <laughs> I, I I feel like Jules has a point though. I feel like Maria fits in with like the Dia Hearts aesthetic. Like I feel like you know she's got the look down, you know, because you know you, you know BB B. Hulk, the beachy Sparkle Prince of Dragon Gate, but yeah. you know, and she had a really good match with Mochi, and I he you know he showed some respect to her, and if you're gonna like eventually put her in a group, I feel like Dia Hart's if they survive this match is like the one that would be the best mm-hmm. fit for her. Absolutely. Like she like she doesn't really like she does she definitely doesn't fit into Berserk. Like, you know, that that's not gonna happen. Um I don't, I, don't know, I don't see her joining the Jimmies. I think they're happy with the way the Jimmies are right now and there's not gonna be anyone else drafted in there. And I don't feel like she fits in over a generation either. So if she's gonna go to a unit, it's gonna be Dia Hart.
2: Mm-hmm. Or Monster or Monster Express. If Monster Express survived, she didn't fit. She uh, you thing. know, you
4: see, I don't think she would actually like fit in Monster Express as much as she would in, in Die Hearts. Yeah, I I agree. I, I don't they, know, I just feel like she would be a really in a really good place if she was in Die Hearts.
2: But to answer uh Case's question about the millennials though,
4: mm-hmm.
2: um I don't I don't really think the millennials. The, were the millennials a success? I don't know, is the answer. Because I think in the long run, they might have hurt T Hawk. Like, T Hawk, if you remember, like, this is, this is going back a ways now. But he ar- arguably had, like, more momentum as fake Naoki than he did as T Hawk <laughs> by the end. And Ow. just, I think they gave, they pushed him too hard too soon. He just, he's a better heel than he is a babyface. And I just don't, I think building the millennials around him was not. A great idea, and then Ida Ida has some momentum, but um, again, I think he's a better heel than a babyface. I don't know why there's so insist on him as a babyface, and I think the only person you can really say the, the you can say the millennials helped Linda Mann for sure, and you can say the millennials the end of the millennials helped Katoka for sure. Mm-hmm. But that's I think, really about it. Someone think, is typing very loudly. <laughs> oh, sorry.
4: I think it's I think it's Case.
2: Uh, Jules, okay. I think that's you, actually.
4: <laughs> no, I don't know what you're talking about. But anyway, I was going to say something. I think Kotoka has been doing outstanding character work since the end of the Millennials.
5: He yeah, certainly I... fits in better now doing his black gimmick than in the Millennials, because I think John tweeted a few weeks ago about Kotoka being in the Millennials, and I totally forgot that that was a thing for a little bit, Cause he actually had a really fun match. It was him and Lindaman against Tozawa and Shingo, I think. Um, right before Kobe World, and they had this awesome tag match. It might have been Kotoka and Eita. I can't remember. But, oh, and then he was like, he just did not fit into that group, and he didn't fit in as Shiba. Um, that was actually just an awful, awful time. Uh, but now he's finally. It, it's weird that Kotoka's come out of the Millennials as arguably the
2: strongest person. I did not
5: expect that. <laughs> I don't
2: know. I, 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 little- I mean, what? I just said that little cane he was hobbling around with for a while. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh, but oh my god. He was just, he was so exaggeratedly like hop. Like he was just, he would put that thing in the ground like he's digging for gold or something. It was so amazing just watching him <laughs> angrily hobble around. Anyway.
4: But yeah, I think he's been doing like really, really good character work with like just like on that slippery slope until he just completely snaps.
5: I, I snapped when he beat Tozawa for the Brave Gate title, but
4: that's—I <laughs> was really surprised.
5: <laughs> yeah, I—it was what he... you know, four in the morning where I live when that happened, and I've never been so angry at four in the morning, <laughs> just, just <laughs> losing my mind. Like what? What? Is, uh, just I was so angry. <laughs> that was I, a direct quote, I think. Okay, you said four...
2: <laughs>
4: I honestly, I honestly thought Tozawa was was winning the whole thing, but. I was really 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 surprised. Not necessarily angry because I was too surprised to be angry.
3: Out of the 3 people who went into that match, Katoka was like my third pick for who might win because it just it just seemed like there there was no way they were going to put this belt on him this early, you know. And like they hadn't really done much with Katoka in general, like even with all the gimmick changes and stuff. It hadn't really like nothing had really stuck and then that Momo Latch and I'm like I, I can't even believe this is happening right now because as soon as um, Tanizaki was out, I'm like okay, then Tozawa's was going to take the belt home, and then Mm-mm. it didn't happen, and I'm like I can feel how upset the crowd is right now. Like I could feel through the video feed that they were very very upset with this because they really do not. A lot of them, at least as far as I've seen, really do not like Kotoka.
2: Mm. Yeah, it's not heel heat with him. They really fucking hate him.
3: <laughs> so I mean. It's <laughs> It's not, it's not even like, it's not even like anything he's doing. It's just him. They don't like him at all. And I I think, I think it's funny, though, because like, he's got a gimmick that is that like, for most people that I've heard of, it just annoys the crap out of them to hear him go yeah. all the time. And sometimes he doesn't, like, on Prime Zone, he'll do it, like, 30 times in one match. And I'm like, those poor people. <laughs> like, like, these are people who already don't like him, and now they have to, like, they paid money, and they have to, like, sit here and listen to him do that 30 times. And, like, they're going to go home and be really, really angry about it. But, like, I think it's I think it's funny. I think it really is. I think it's just, like, he snapped, like, I don't think a lot of people factored in, but Katoka was treated like crap for a really, really, really long time. and you like seven years. Yeah. (laughs) And most of it's on Prime Zone. So a lot of people don't even really like, you know, think about everything that happened to him and how many of the wrestlers beat him up, which I've told Jules, I think it's really funny. He ended up in Berserk because one of the people that Katoka seemed to hate the most in all those interviews was Yamato. He would stand really far away from him. He would stand, like, three people away from him and, like, make unpleasant faces, and he was clearly not ever happy to be in the vicinity with Yamato, literally ever. And it's just really funny to me that that's who he ended up in a stable with, because he figured that's the last person he would want to be with. And yet, here he is, posing happily with championships, they're going out on, like, bro dates, all four of them together are. Because you see him, like... They post the pictures on Twitter, and there's like all four nice clothes, and they're going out to dinner and having a good time. And I'm like, and you would never have thought that this would be the person that he would be allies with, considering like how badly he was treated by him. But here we are. To be honest,
4: to be honest, I think it kind of makes sense, like in a character perspective, because. You have Kotorka was like being relentlessly bullied and bullied and bullied and realizes that in order to not be bullied, you have to be the bully. That's, yeah.
5: Does I that make like, sense? I like the way you took that uh, perspective there, Jules. I, I like that.
4: Does that, like, does that make sense? Yeah,
5: it does, yeah.
4: It does
3: make sense.
4: I think, I think that's a, a lot of the things that kind of motivated the, char- the, the character change is that when you're bullied so relentlessly, you just have no choice. But to become the bad person and the bully yourself. And I mean, he had a pretty good role model in that in Yamato.
2: Yeah, that's very true. So, so that's the end of millennials, I guess. Um, they're a, a mixed bag, we'll say, at best. Yeah,
4: but so I think. They, so, sorry, go ahead. They're still all very young. They're millennials. Yes. So you wouldn't know anything. Millennials.
2: Yeah, sorry. You wouldn't know how to do that. that. Yeah, I, I feel like hey the, Jules, technically I'm a millennial. Generationally, I'm a millennial. I hate yeah, to tell you. Yeah, I know, I know. But
4: um, <laughs> I, I think I you just do. gotta give them like time to grow. I I see a lot of people being like, oh, like T-Hawk has no charisma and Ata has no charisma, and like these guys are young. They are young. And it's like
3: Shane, true. like
4: Shane would say when we talk about that, like you know who else has no charisma and is still super oh, no. oh, God.
3: Do it, drag him, do it. It's Kota Hibushi. Hibushi. Yeah. Black hole of charisma, and it's and it's, yeah. a, it's like a meme at this point. Like at one point he literally forgot his promo in the middle of the ring at DDT, and somebody had to lean over and tell him what he was gonna say. And I'm like. This this is, you know, it's possible. It is entirely possible to be a very good wrestler and not have any charisma. But, like, when it comes to, like, when they're, like, T-Hawk's age and Katoka's age and Aiden's age, they're gonna, you know, they're gonna grow, they're gonna change. Like, they've got plenty of time. But, like, as of right now, yeah, there's there's a lot of wrestlers. In fact, I know somebody was like, a lot of DDT in general aren't very, like, charismatic when it comes to being on the mic. So, you just kind of got to... Like, give them some time, give them some wiggle room. And, you know, with all the changes they've gone through, you know, the Millennials, all the things the Millennials did, they're split up in different units now. A bunch of them are going through hard times. You know, they're still trying to find themselves, find their niche. And once they do, then, you know, we might see a lot of changes out of them, might see them, mm-hmm. like, grow into themselves and find their role. Because I know it's a um, a big thing they criticize a lot with, uh, just to jump subject real quick, because this is a real easy one, with Roman Reigns is that they won't, like, give him... The time space he needs. Like, they won't let him, like, just be himself and, like, find his place. And they write all these really terrible promos for him. So he comes off, like, looking really, really bad. Whereas if you just, like, step back and let them, you know, find their place and grow and give them time, then a lot of wrestlers, you know, they become really, really excellent. But you just got to give them a little wiggle room to figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. So,
2: Shane, are you trying to tell me that you think promos about magic beans and beanstalks? <laughs> what's that- good?
3: That was like, I, I laughed, but like I probably shouldn't be laughing at this dude who's gonna who like faced Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania and got the <laughs> shit beaten out of him. Like I feel like that's not the direction they were heading in. I feel. Like, <laughs> I feel like, so
2: yeah, this is this is the Roman Reigns cast.
4: Welcome. Yeah, to the Roman Reigns. <laughs> no, but basically what I was trying to say is give them the time to like we can't all be Shiva and we can't all be Narukidoi, We. Sometimes we have to be Aida before we we can be that, you
2: know. No, I get you. They're I think my can. My issue with with the millennials has more to do with the way, the way they were booked
1: mm-hmm. than it
2: does with the performers. But so the millennials came to an end. Um, they all kind of went in their separate ways. We touched on a lot of it already. T Hawk went to Monster Express, which kind of took up the Shingo Takagi role in there. Ada ended up as part of. Well, first he was like part of proto berserk. So I mean, when he was oh in berserk, for
5: and berserk. I was like, this is going to be his time. He's going to shine. And then a little <laughs> later, he's getting beat up by Kotoka, and I was pissed again. <laughs> he,
3: he, made, and, he made special pants for be, for one pose, and then he got beat up by a guy. They was
4: better than anything he's ever worn. Like, I don't know what the hell he's wearing right now in over-generation, but oh,
2: it makes my eyes burn. So he was we consider him a member, right? He was in there for two and a half minutes I, former preserve yeah.
3: member there was a photo there was a photo, so he gets to be a member because there was one photo, and then like he got kicked out, but he was there for a little bit.
4: Mhm yeah. there's
3: so, so,
2: so ultimately Ida ended up or Ada end up in overgeneration Maria and u t ended up um un-aligned. <laughs> yeah, Linda man ended up in overgeneration, and Katoka ended up in Berserk, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's basically the end of the Millennials. Now, Nariki doi could not keep his friggin' mouth shut. <laughs> so, I mean, here it is. The Millennials are over, okay? All he had to do was shut up and not say anything else. But instead, <laughs> he, had <to> taunt, <laughs> he had to taunt Ryu Saito and be like, oh, the Jimmy should just too because you weren't even here at the end. Because, of course, Kness like fought with him to the back. And we ended up setting up another unit must disband match a few weeks later. Now, this is the the Jimmys versus um, Mad Blanky 5-on-5 five five elimination. <laughs> that was an amazing an amazing match. Like, yeah. just the, the amount of crowd he... You have these two units that have been around for three years. You have arguably the most popular heel unit of all time, in Dragon Gate history anyway, against one of the most popular units of all time, period. So, like, <laughs> you could hear... You could hear people in the crowd, like, chaining for Mad Blanky during that match, which, you know, like, you could see the yellow in the crowd, too. Like, Wasn't they it were the, definitely Mad Blanky supporters. Sorry, go yeah.
4: ahead. Wasn't it the reason that they had Mad Blanky disband, though? Because they had yes. too many fans.
2: Yes, that was a big reason. That's what I've been told too. Mm-hmm.
3: Is
4: that
2: Mad Blanky was too popular to be a heel unit at that point?
3: That it, it was so weird to see like them have so many fans. because I, I always for the longest time I felt like that was so much of a Western fan thing where the Western fans hate the faces and they love the heels, and you see that a lot in the with the bigger promotions where if you turn somebody heel, oh now they have all the fans, and then in Dragon Gate it was really weird to see. Like, it makes sense because of who was in Mad Blank and how good they were and the match qualities they turned in, but it was still really weird to see them have, like, that many fans in the crowd.
2: Absolutely. It was something else, yeah.
4: (laughs) I I love
5: that match uh, mainly because it didn't feel like a normal Dragon Gate match, if that makes sense. And yes, it was an eight-man tag and and bodies were everywhere and it was a wonderful (laughs) thing. Um, I have the review. That was dangerous. Get to have the review on VoicesOfWrestling.com. But there was an intensity to that match that isn't there in a lot of Dragon Gate matches to a point where it felt like such a competition, uh, much like Mochizuki vs. Shingo did from Gate of Destiny, which I will be talking about later, mark my words.
4: Yeah, um, oh yeah, we will talk about that.
5: But I love that Jimmy's Mad Blanky match. k turning on Mad <laughs> Blanky and reforming with Susumu was fantastic. It was a wonderful moment, and I just submitted my Voices of Wrestling match of the year ballot. The Jimmy's Mad Blanky match did not finish in my top ten. It just didn't happen. But I try to make room for it because it's one of the best matches this year, and something that Dragon Gate doesn't do a whole lot of, which has had a super, super serious match.
2: Love it. It was third on it was third on my ballot, but mm-hmm. I think I love that match more than even most people did.
5: Last year, it probably would have been in my top five. This year, it made my top fifteen. But there were just matches that I need to have in my top ten, and unfortunately, that didn't make it in there.
4: Um. Speaking- to be honest but I didn't I, sorry. No go ahead. I didn't put it in my my top 10 but I do have to say that it was one of the very few times that wrestling has actually made me cry.
2: Oh, I cried over the over the reunion.
4: I, was I like... literally like I was on the edge of my seat and <laughs> I was like stressed the fuck out but that was genuinely one of the only times I have cried watching wrestling.
2: Yeah.
4: By that the was, end was... I was like in tears that was something else
3: it didn't um mm-hmm. it didn't make my top 10 because stardom this year happened and like like i had like i had to make room for the women because those matches were incredible but when kness and susumu reunited and the jimmies came out on top i just burst into tears like i was already like emotionally distraught because i love the jimmies you guys know how much i love the jimmies they're my favorite mm-hmm. they're my mm-hmm. favorite unit out of all the Dragon Gate units They've, they're my top favorite but then to see them go against Mad Blanky so many of these guys that I also liked and like this cool like I like I, like I was really hoping they'd lose anyway even though I really liked them because I didn't want the Jimmies to disband but it was like so like it was just emotional turmoil because it was kept really really like even up until the end and then you're like oh no it's, it's like we're gonna lose the Jimmies I can't believe this and then Kness came through and it was like this is the most beautiful moment
2: it really was something. Yeah. It was like low-key romantic. It was
4: low-key
3: romantic. There's nothing low-key about Kinesis and Sumu, okay? There's nothing. Yeah, true.
4: But then again, we could do yet another podcast about that, so.
2: Um, so the Jimmy to Matt Blanky. Um, did you guys actually think Sumu's were going to win? Because I, I did not at all. There's a second straight unit must Mustard fan match I predicted completely wrong. I thought Matt Blanky was winning for sure.
5: Yeah, I was just yeah. this one. I I expected the Jimmys to be dead, uh, but they are not. They are alive and well right now.
4: Mm-mm, and they're alive and kicking, yeah. I didn't think they were disbanding either. Yeah. I, I just, don't... I believe in them. Go ahead. That I really believe that they were coming out on top because they just seemed stronger and more united, and I like that.
2: What did you think, Shane? Do you think they were going to win or no?
3: I, I mean, I was I was, um, I was, was um, in emotional turmoil over the fact that they might lose. But I mean, like, at the same time, like, as we were going up to the match, and I was, like, thinking about it and thinking about it, trying to look at it through the, like, the bookers of Dragon Eight, like, how did they see it? There wasn't really that much more for Mad Blanky to do. Mm. Like, they had already, you know, the Millennials were gone, you know, they done just about everything various members had held the dreamgate title there really wasn't like much up room for them to go and like they you know and like the jimmys right now are being booked like incredibly strong like i was like i've been watching the results and they've been winning pinfalls left and right and i don't think they've lost that me- like i need to recheck the results but i don't think they've lost any matches in, you know other than the um the triangle gate match which of course they were going to lose that but, like, other than that, like, as soon as they started building them up for the titles, like, they've been winning matches left and right, and they're being booked incredibly strong right now. But, like, so, you know, the Jimmys have, you know, they the individual members have done a lot, but, like, it's been, like, spread out more. Like, Mad Blanky had a lot of stuff for them happen in quick succession. You know, titles here, titles there, they'd lose them, they'd pick them back up. But with the Jimmys, like, Susumu's not held the Dreamgate title in a really long time. and
2: Neither has Ryu Saito.
3: yeah. So like I'm like there's still things they could do with them like and obviously Dragon Gate still sees them as valuable roster members that there is more to do with so I'm like they could probably do more with the Jimmys than they could with Mad Blanky who'd pretty much done everything so like logically it made sense that Mad Blanky needed to go down because you know what else were you gonna book them to do like they'd already done everything.
2: So um, so in the post Mad um after the split. We kind of had a lot of them went on to form Berserk. Uh, Yamato, Doi, Kong, Monday Ryu all went on to form Berserk. It looked like Punch was going to too at first, but then he that ended up as man. Shingo's personal slave, and then he ended up as part of Overgeneration. That
3: poor man uh, deserved to be treated <laughs> like a coaster. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, and then Kness, of course, ended up in the jimmies. Am I missing anybody? I feel like I'm missing somebody. Uh,
5: Kong went to Berserk.
2: Yeah. Um, I said him. On there were you. Yeah,
3: no, I don't think
2: you've missed okay. anyone. Okay. So other that's than,
3: than Tanazaki, who... Who, was,
2: like, joined Berserk later. Yeah, yeah. because
3: of... Because of... Us. Because of Kness. Um, yeah. Yeah. Which was a big... Which was, like, a big deal, because everybody thought that, like, they were really over everything, and the Jimmies were strong, and then all of a sudden he's like, um, no, actually, I'm still <laughs> mad. And I'm so mad, I'm going to leave now. I'm so mad, I'm going
4: to cut a promo with my pants down so I oh, fight it. was BB2 when I was just
3: about
5: to say
4: that. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll get, into, we'll get
2: into the Berserk forming in a minute. But before we do that, the, the legacy of Mad Blanky ultimately. It's a very complicated legacy to me because they were around for so long. They had so many members. They had so many guys come and go. I mean, if you look at like 2012 to 2013 Mad Blanky, it almost doesn't even resemble what Mad Blanky was by the end. Because remember, you had Tozawa and Hulk in there. You had fake Naoki slash t Hawk in there. You did not have Doi or Yamato in there. So it, the the unit went through a lot of changes. And I think basically,
3: if you're yeah, talking they, about... They, they started out as the uh, Blood Warriors, too.
2: Yeah. And then yeah.
3: Tozawa joined. He's like, nope. And yeah. kicked people and he's like, Nope, you're leaving, you're leaving, you're leaving, I'm gonna treat you like dirt, I'm changing the name of the group. And then it became what it did, and then it just like went through so many changes every time they had a leader change.
5: Are Kong and Ryu the only people that were in Mad Blanky when it formed and then oh I guess Ryu probably wouldn't is Kong the only person that's been in Mad Blanky the entire yeah. time?
2: No no no, but Kong went through periods. Kong went through a period where he was not in Mad Blanky that whole period where he was, like, trying out with different units. Oh,
5: God. Okay. Yeah, there's that a reason I yeah. forgot about that.
2: So there is no one who was in Bad from the very beginning to the very end. You could... Mondai Ryu joined very quickly, so he's the closest. But I don't think you could count him as being there in night one. Yeah. I could be he wrong. Wasn't, he
5: wasn't a part of Blood Warrior, so he wouldn't yeah. yeah. That's it. So I, I think it was bad very Blanky, in terms of match quality... Put on better matches than any unit that were even more so than Blood Generation or Junction Three, who I'd put behind them, because uh, they've got matches like the uh, I can't think of Shingo's old unit name uh, with the Akatsuki. Otto. Yeah, Akatsuki. Um, that match
2: was amazing. The unit must have spanned. That was insane. Amazing.
5: One of the yeah. best matches I think in Dragon Gate history, and it's nowhere online now. It got taken off Daily Motion, and no one has it. It is I know insane. I, I just sure want to watch too. that match again.
2: It's um, very sad.
5: They they did so much good stuff. I I love Mad Blanky. I love the Hulk Tozawa version, and then I really liked uh, Yamato taking control of things. KZ had a nice stint in Mad Blanky. I liked him being there with his wacky hairstyles.
2: There was just a lot to love about Mad Blanky for a long. Can they time. Oh, you hair. know what? Wait, wait, wait. We forgot. Oh, yo, you're right. KZ wasn't there till the end. I was gonna say KZ was there at the very start, but he wasn't there till the end. Um. So I here's my controversial take on this. I actually do not like the first year of mad Blanky. i think the tozawa Hulk era was actually kind of garbage really yes and there's a reason for that because they started letting fake naoki get some wins and that's good but before basically before uha shows up for like so basically all of 2012 the unit was treated like crap
5: that's true they were booked really like, weird they, they lost like, their first match
2: like Shima would cut these promos where he'd be like and Shima and Mochi and all these people would be like okay so other than Tozawa and Hulk you're pretty useless Mad Blanky go away it very much a Shima
5: thing to do the yeah, old
3: men are so like, mean
2: so they would basically treat Mad Blanky like crap and they would be like okay well Tozawa and Hulk are clearly strong but the rest of you are garbage and they would say this repeatedly so it, it, it just was it was too much like Deep Drunkers to me where you had this <laughs> this, this like Heal unit where most of the members were complete garbage, especially considering that Cyber Kong was originally supposed to be like the number three guy, but oh. then he had, then he had that freaking terrible Dreamgate match with Shima and got buried after that for like the entire rest of 2012.
3: I, I so... still reflect on the moment where he was like, You guys, I am really sorry that I suck at wrestling right now. I don't know what's going on. And I'm like, That is like the saddest thing I've ever seen. It's like his decline.
5: Yeah, it was it was ugly, John, you would know this better than me and probably better than most people. Is that the uh the worst Dreamgate match ever?
2: I'm trying to let me let me think about this for a second. If it's not, it's very close. I can't think of anyone that's definitely worse. I remember not liking the magnitude Kishiwada versus uh I think Araken, I think they had one that was pretty bad. That that sounds but bad. I haven't seen that. That was but like two thousand six. That was like 2006. Yeah. It's definitely, it's probably either that one or, and I didn't like um, the Dory Yoshino one from Final Gate 2010 either. That was not that great, but this was still probably a level level below that, so.
5: It's an iconically bad match, and especially for Dragon Gate, where at the very least, all of their matches pretty much are consistent, and rarely does anything dip below the okay line, but this, to me, was just a mess.
4: Yeah. And, it's even, so,
3: and it's even worse that it was a mess on such a high level. Like, it's one thing if you have just a messy singles match between guys who should be able to do better. But when it's for that Open the Dream Gate championship and you manage to mess that up, like, it's ten times worse. Like, you're expecting it was not, to perform. It was
2: not even just a big—I don't mean to cut you off, I just want to clarify this, too. It was not even just an Open the Dream Gate, like, from Kurakin or um, from Todd Star Lange or something. It was the main event— of dead or alive i believe yeah it was dead or a alive. they didn't even
5: have a cage match on that show that yep, it was fun.
2: a big show main event so that is part of why shima was so angry Like in his post-match promo he specifically said this match was not worthy of being a Dreamgate match and it especially was not worthy of being a big show main event so you could see that was a that was a freaking shoot out of him he was really angry and you can tell because they, they buried Kong afterwards.
3: For as, for as, like, grumpy and mean and old Manny as Seema can, can be to the younger talent, like, he put so much of himself into all of the matches that he has. Like, he really does try to do his best, especially when it comes to the Dreamgate Championship matches. So for Kong to mess up that bad against a guy who you knew was going to go all out, like, it was even worse.
2: Yeah, I mean, it was not it was not good. That it was definitely a pretty bad match, a really bad match. But so that's what I'm trying to get to it that year, though. It was just once you had once you flush Kong down the toilet, you don't have a strong number three. Like your your number three ended up being Fake Naoki, and Fake Naoki ended up getting a lot of falls and was very good. But like it's still a Fake Naoki Tanazaki, you know. Like it really can only be a certain level. Um,
4: Jules <laughs> loud typing.
2: Fake Naoki.
4: I'm making middle fingers at my screen.
2: Was not gonna be that. Was not gonna be that good. So 2012 was um. (laughs) 2012 was just not a good year for Matt Blanket. I don't think. The moment we get into 2013, even before the leadership change, once Uha Nation came back and was like the number three guy, it got better and you could take this unit more seriously. And then. The moment the changeover from Tazawa to Yamato is leader, and then Doi is the new number two, and you have, you know, Yamato, Tazawa, not Tazawa, Yamato, Doi, Hulk, Uha, and then Uha leaves, but you still have Yamato, um, Doi, and Hulk in there is a very strong top three. From that point forward, I think the unit was really good. So, mm-hmm. and then obviously in late 2014, you get you lose hulk but you get the veteran zombies so in hindsight i think if we're talking about post 2013 i think mad blanke was an amazing heel, heel unit i do think and you talk about that first year too though which was actually pretty bad i, I, no, yeah, I
5: guess when you put it that way the, the first year was a little rough but they still had that tozawa hulk tag team uh that had some excellent matches like the uh it's actually it's dragon gate andrew angry 216 on twitter who asked us for a shout out uh one of his favorite matches from osaka it's uh susumu and Kagatora against Uh, Hulk and Tozawa, that's an amazing match. Um, But one thing he touched on was Hulk leaving Mad Blanky, and I wanted to mention this was Mad Blanky in 2014 was so awesome, and the feud with Hulk specifically was my feud of the year for 2014. Um, From the moment Hulk left, and he super kicked everyone in the cage at Dead or Alive, to having a five-on-one open the Dreamgate Championship match, uh, having Mochizuki dance with him for a night in Korokan, Everything about that, besides the uh, very lackluster Hulk-Yamato-Kobe world match, uh, everything about that feud was excellent, and I loved it. And that, to me, was the peak of Mad Blanky. That was everyone firing on all cylinders with a great babyface to combat them, and it was something that only Dragon Gate can do, and they nailed it.
2: Anybody else have thoughts on the legacy of Mad Blanky?
3: I think the way they revitalized BB Hulk was something to behold, because Dragon Gate already you know loved BB B. Hulk there was never going to be a time when they didn't but like the change that he went through when he was in Mad Blanky was such a weird one cuz you know you see when he starts out he's got the long black hair and he's like drinking and he's like blood and crazy Spitting wine and in people's faces the, the, the what do they call it yes yeah,
4: so basically my mom
3: What <laughs> of it and then, like, you see, like, the slow transition into what was his, like, a you know, what would become his style, but, like, with still the darker coloring and stuff, like, the darker hair and the darker lipstick, but, like, he started to cut his hair, and then just the way they built that feud, and the way that he, like, he just sells himself as a babyface so well, like, he's so genuine about it, and it and just, it revitalized him, it made him even better like it gave people an even bigger reason to care like other than the excellent wrestling because everything they did with his character and having mad blankie to you know to be the heels because you can have a great face character but unless you have great heels then you know you're not going to be able to get very far with it and there was just that perfect ideal balance right there in that feud and it was just really something spectacular Mm
4: -mm.
2: jules what do you think about mad blankie
3: uh, I don't think I have anything
4: else to say that you guys didn't say. I think Okay. I think the best thing that Matt Blanke left us with is this current Twin Gate Rain. But...
2: Yes, that was a, that was an amazing Twingate Gate Rain. I'm happy they the motto. It is, yes. That's true. I don't know why it's Don't think it, so, John. <laughs>
3: Um, <laughs> you, look, what if
4: Good wins that belt, I'm never going to hear the end of it. <laughs>
3: you are. None of you are going to hear the end of it. That's going to be my Twitter account for however long they have those belts if they win. That's just going to be me talking about that match and posting 500 screenshots and never shutting up about it. That's going to be. I don't it. think they're
4: winning though.
2: I love. I love them too, but I don't think they're winning either. But I, <laughs> I, I actually kind of hope they are because I love them so much. But yeah. <laughs> I love, Ryu, Ryu Saito is one of my all-time
4: favorites, but,
2: um, okay, so, so that's basically Mad Blanky, I guess, they, they were a fantastic unit, I just wish people would remember that first year it was kind of crap, um, so we go into the forming of Berserk, um, obviously around this same time, Shinko Takagi starts freaking out, uh, he's not happy with Shino for losing the Dreamgate title and for wanting to team with T-Hawk. Although I thought it was an amazing bit of heel hypocrisy when he then turned around and asked T Hawk to team with him, when that was like the start of all this was Yoshino asking T Hawk to team with him, but it ended up making sense because it was just a way to turn on him anyway. Mm-mm. But um, yeah, so Berserk ends up forming. The Berserk is a very, um, it's a very polarizing unit right now because I think Western fans love it. Clearly. I think that's very clear that Western fans love Shingo. Western fans love Katoka. Western fans love this heel unit running over everything. The Japanese fans are not that into it. And, you know, we've, we've heard a lot from Jay and other people about how how and why they don't like Shingo. Uh, I think he, he did a post on the Voices of Wrestling forum where he was talking about how Shingo reminds them of, like, their grumpy fathers or their... Um, <laughs> Like, their middle management in their company that's, like, upper management, whatever, that's very on, grumpy. I wish, and like... I wish my boss looked like that. <laughs> but so, so so the fans don't like Shingo. It's probably a good thing that he's a heel then, at least, but Mm-mm. they don't really even want to boo him. They just kind of want him to go away. Um, so you've gone from a, a heel unit that was incredibly popular in Mad Blanky to a heel unit that makes the fans uncomfortable. And they're almost overpowered. I talked about this in my unit post, but they have, they're the only unit that has three former Dreamgate champions. Mm-mm. And they're just, they're a very strong unit right now. I really like Berserk. I'm a little worried that they're being booked too strong, even, but, in, and I usually love strong heel units, so for me to even say that is something. But, um, so what do you guys think of Berserk so far? What, like, this, their, their mm-hmm. formation and their second half?
5: Here's the thing. I don't don't want to say anyone's opinion is wrong, but if (laughs) you're a Dragon Gate fan living in Japan, and you don't at least respect for Zerk, then... You're no longer entitled to an opinion, because what they're doing <laughs> wow. is so fantastic. I can't get enough of it. Shingo's on the best run of his career right now. He's finally got something that's completely clicking for me. He's boy is beautiful, and they are having amazing tag matches. And even Kotoka is not sucking in this unit. Right now, I'm totally on board with Berserk.
2: I agree actually. I, I love them a lot, but I'm just I'm worried about the Japanese family action is all. That's all I just mm-hmm. want to make that clear. I personally love them. I, I love Berserk. They're my favorite unit right now. But I'm worried about the Japanese family. <laughs>
5: right. When they came in, they felt so fresh and it's it's lasted. Right now the company feels really fresh because there's a lot going on. And it's all because of Berserk.
2: Mm-mm. Yeah.
4: I, I really love them too, I feel but I also feel like that the disconnect there is between how Western fans feel about them and how Japanese fans feel about them is really interesting and I think we could like talk about this a lot. But I was really surprised to find out that people like genuinely hate Shingo when <laughs> you look at all the Western fans who are just like the Shingo Takari fan club pretty much. I mean, everyone is just yeah. like, he's the best. He's, he's like on the best run of his career. Like you said, he's, I, I really, I'm really interested in like that whole maybe cultural disconnect as well. But I think that for now, they're maybe a little bit too dominant with like Yamadoi, like steamrolling every single team that comes their way and Shingo taking people's heads off. And maybe a little too dominant would be my only complaint, but. Other than that, I really, I really love them, and I think they, tur- I think they always turn out great matches. At least, you know, Shingo and Yamadoi. and I don't really have any complaint. We'll just have to see how long they last, because I don't think that a heel unit that dominant should last too long before it just gets annoying.
2: I actually agree with you. I don't think they're gonna last as long as Mad Blanky did for sure. And so I I it wouldn't surprise me if they were if they were not here by the end of 2016.
4: Oh no, I I think they're ending before the end of 2016, absolutely. And I'm also just like thinking about the jubilation of the Japanese fans when somebody finally puts Shingo, put Shingo down.
5: Yeah, as, yeah. even <laughs> as much as I hated the match to a point where I I said in my uh, review on Voice of Wrestling that it was the worst Dreamgate match since Shima versus Cyber Kong. <laughs> the shingo gama match and Corkin had a crazy hot crowd cuz gama's the first guy that really hasn't been totally steamrolled by shingo uh, but that of all match
3: people, of all
5: people, was in my opinion terrible
3: yeah it <laughs> wasn't it, it wasn't
4: good but he
3: he he killed mochi like mochi was dead like takagi <laughs> took him apart and then you're telling me that Gamma is going to be the one who comes in and like gets some offense against shingo like
5: he, he technically, and the, the worst part was in the post match promo, I think Shima was like, Do you want a rematch? And guy was like, No, I got the visual pinball. Like, Gama is like the linear open the Dreamgate champion, technically. <laughs> and I have a major so, issue with that.
2: So I, I, I think the explanation for this is actually pretty simple. I think it's the fact that Kirk and Hall is probably their most important crowd when you think about how often they run that building, and they, they need those fans to show up every month. And. I think they honestly were just they did not want to put Shingo over Gamma clean. They did not want to piss off Kirk Because if anyone hates Shingo Tsukagi in, in Japan, it is Kirk and Hall.
4: Oh, they yeah.
2: despise him. <laughs> so like I think they were just too scared to do it. I think like, people always look for this why Gamma explanation. I don't think it was about Gamma. I think it was about Kirk and Hall. That's yeah. my I, perspective. I think,
3: I, I think the most interesting thing about the way the fans react though, because they, they when, when Shingo wins when that when that when the ref's hand hits the mat for that third time, they go silent. And I think that's something that um, a lot of maybe Western fans, especially, don't understand just like how important that is. Because a lot, like in a lot of American wrestling, you boo the people you don't like. You give them a reaction, even if you don't like them, you give them a reaction. But these fans go dead silent. Like as soon as like they could be the hottest crowd ever, they're cheering. You know, they're cheering on the. The face who's trying to beat Shingo, and then he gets that pinfall, and then they're dead. They're like done. Like even in the Doi Darts match, when he got the pin, they just like quieted down really fast. But and, like the like,
4: recent recent Doi Darts Dar- Doi Darts match, yeah, yeah, that's probably also because of who he got the pin on.
3: Yeah, he he pinned Tozawa, which they were like, no, like it would have been one thing, <laughs> and like people were joking about it in the chat, which is the worst thing I because re- like I can't ignore them. How they were like, oh, Tozawa took the pin, and Ichikawa is on his team, and I'm like, okay. First of all, but I'm like, telling you that has
4: to mean something.
3: It, it will. It will. It'll mean that I like. I strongly believe you know the your theory that Tozawa is going to be the one who takes Shingo down, and we're going to have to lose Monster Express to get there. <laughs> but, but um, just so, but the way that the fans react, I think, is like so intriguing because like. Um, I remember someone said this in the chat too how um there were some there are some fans in pro wrestling Noah too who react that way when Suzuki Goon comes out and how they were losing they were losing fans and losing money because of how dominant they were, and that's why they didn't that's why they didn't hold that spot for as long as a lot of people expected them to and then they started dropping titles, but like eventually it's gonna get to the point where they have to drop. You know, Yamador is going to have to drop those titles and they're going to have to start losing because the because they need the money and they need the crowds and their fans. You know, if they get fed up enough, they'll just stop coming. Like, it's not something that necessarily happens in a lot of American promotions, um, because there's a lot of people like you can hate the way that some wrestling promotions run and they can still send, you know, sell out venues. But like those the Japanese fans will just stop coming if they don't like the way that things are going and they don't want to lose their fans. But in all fairness to Shingo, though, I don't think that, like, I think Yamadoi is definitely overpowered because they're steamrolling everyone. But in all fairness to Shingo, I think it's kind of necessary for him to beat guys like Mochi and Shima and Gamma because, um, and it's a big problem in some promotions, they won't let the new talent just beat the old talent flat out. They won't, you know, give that generational shift to say, yeah, these guys are great and we love them, but this is the focus. Like, they'll keep bringing the old guys back and giving them, like, and letting them pin the younger talent and, like, giving them things that they don't necessarily need at their age and with their accomplishments. Like, we didn't really need Shima to win that match against Shingo. We didn't need that. Nobody needed that. He's had a million accomplishments. But it does say a lot that they were willing to even be like, no, he's not going to win to be able to put Shingo over as more dominant. Because you need, like, if you're going to have a heel champion, like, it's my theory that you don't want to book them. Too pathetically, you don't want to book them like using sneak attacks and stuff to try to win. You want to make them look like they deserve the title. And hey, Shane, right now, yeah.
2: So you're, you're saying you don't want to book them like Seth Rollins and That's
3: words. Okay, yeah, I didn't <laughs> I didn't want to say the man's name cuz god knows the, the opinions are polarizing. But yeah, when you book a guy like Seth Rollins, like I think I'm um, on Voices of Wrestling Sean. I love his Monday Night Raw reviews. They're the it's like the only reason I know what's going on on Raw is that he even points out that if you have your heel champion cheat constantly, constantly, constantly. What is your reason, you know, to care that he's the champion? What's your reason to, you know, want him to keep the belt? Like when you have a dominant heel champion, not only do you make him look, you know, like a legitimate threat, whoever beats him is going to look gold. They're going to look incredible. They're going to look amazing. They're going to you know, everyone's going to love them, especially with the way the fans hate Shingo, whoever takes that belt off him, it, it's going to be a hot crowd and they're going to be so happy and they're going to love this person. So it helps to build him up that strong. It's just, how many more people are they going to let him beat before, like, Jules' opinion, before Tozawa comes in and beats him? Because I really do think that's the direction they're going.
2: Yeah, I think, I agree with pretty much everything you just said. I, I love the Shingo run. And the thing with Shingo is, I actually, I actually freaking hated him before the heel turn. Like, I think everybody did. Person, before, something about his personality and everything, I just, I hate him as a baby face. But I've been really enjoyed this heel run. And it's funny you say that, Jules, because a lot of Western fans actually liked Shingo, especially people who um, were not hardcore DG fans. Mm-hmm. I forget who I was talking about this with. I think it was Angry216 on Twitter. Mm-hmm. But um, it's just like over the years, very casual fans and people who were into a lot of Japanese wrestling loved Shingo because he reminds them of wrestlers outside of Dragon Gate. Mm-hmm. Whereas people in the Dragon Gate bubble really did not like Shingo at all because he reminded them of wrestlers outside of Dragon Gate. Like it, just so bland. Just, yeah. And, like, he's just so generic. Gene- he was generically Japanese, you know? And that's really not what people want out of Dragon Gate mm. if they're hardcore fans. But, um, so, yeah, so that's, but so Shingo's whole run, I agree, has been great. I don't, it's not turning fans off yet. And I think it's important to note that their attendance does not appear to be down. It's always <laughs> tough to tell with Dragon Gate because they work the numbers so much. But when they show crowd shots of Final Gate, it looked about the same as any other Final Gate. Mm-mm. So I don't think it's really affecting their attendance yet. I don't think we can – I'm not really sure if we can keep this going all the way to world, though. I think you might see some drop off if you do. Yeah, I, think but... they're gonna, I think they're going to try to, but I don't know if it –
4: because I they, think he's probably dropping the belt at world, so
2: yeah, I don't. We could see some attendance issues, Mm-mm. but I don't know. Um, but yeah, other, other than Shingo, Berserk has been a really fun unit. Yamato and Doi are probably the strongest two three of any heel unit in history, I would think. Mm-mm. I mean, they they've just beaten everybody. Um Kotoka's funny. I have loved Hio Naoki Tenazaki. Like, yes. Hio Naoki yes. is one of my favorite wrestlers. So I was so happy when he turned and returned to Matt Blanky. And that I was just so great. Or returned to Berserk, I mean. I feel like turned was... to the Hyosa.
4: I feel like he's probably, for me, the one who kind of really fits in the most with that concept of the Berserkers. Yes. Because when and he, he just, gets moving, like... he just becomes, he just gets savage.
2: He looks like he's out of control.
4: Yeah, it's not like it's not like calculated in the way that Yamadoy are. It's and it's not it's it's just really like you said, he's just out of control. Like he becomes a completely different person. Like he becomes a berserker. And that's what I really, really love about him in, in, in Berserk is that I feel like he really embodies the spirit of the unit. I
2: agree. He's great.
4: Mm-mm. Um
3: it freshened him up a lot too, to have him yeah. drop the the QQ Q Toyonaka dolphin name to have him drop the you know and the in the crowd and you know, the fans really did love him. They loved his goofy name and his like goofy like entire stick that he did. Like they loved it. They ate it up. But then to have him turn and like it gave him such a fresh start. And like he doesn't even seem like the same person anymore.
2: Mm-mm. Did you notice that Kirkin? The, the faces were trying were trying to encourage the crowd to chant Mister Q at him I, we, at, at the him latest. Off. At the latest. Yeah.
3: Casey,
4: yeah. Um, I didn't even notice.
3: I, I remember, was like, at one point in the match, KZ, like, turned around and, like, was getting the crowd to do it, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is amazing. <laughs> and, it's like, uh, he doesn't oh, uh, it made him.
2: Yeah. It mm-hmm. made him so angry. We
3: need, we need, like, we need I feel go. like that his, um in the Triangle Gate match, I feel like the back and forth he had with Susumu, I feel like we need more of that at some point. Yes. Like, not right, like, not right now, obviously, because, I mean, you know, Susumu is got, you know, he's got February coming up, he's got his Dream Gate shot coming up. But, like, once we've moved on from that, and once he's had, you know, like, some time, then there needs to be something with him and Tanizaki because, like, there was animosity there. There was It was a really hot little sequence they had there, and we need, you know, we need to see more of that because, obviously, they've got something special to churn out if they get the time for it.
2: Mm-mm-mm. I agree. So... So that I guess is a good overview. Berserk. Do you have any thoughts on Berserk case? I feel like I haven't heard a lot from you. I, I just
5: I I love the unit. I love everything about them right now. Uh, <laughs> Yamadori is killing it. Shingo is right now my favorite wrestler in the world, and I like the uh, the backbone with Kong, Ryu, Tanazaki, and Kotoka. Um, so I, right now I'm all aboard I, with their uh, their wagon.
3: I do. Want Did you think- vote
2: for? Did you vote for him for Most Outstanding Case in the Observer Awards? Because I did. No.
5: uh, My uh, my three Most Outstanding were Chris Hero, uh, Daisuke Sekimoto and actually Akira Tozawa. Who I thought... I I thought Tozawa... I
4: hear, I hear.
5: Tozawa was praised this year, but I don't think he got enough praise for being awesome for all two (laughs) months.
3: The only thing I don't like about... I don't really care. It's not that I don't like it, necessarily. The only thing I just don't really find myself interested in in Berserk is whatever problems that Monde Ryu and Kong are having. Like, <laughs> they're, having, they're having issues. They're accidentally hitting each other in matches. And I'm like, I know they're trying to do something with them because they can't do anything with them because the fans, you know, they're not going to get into them doing anything. And Monde Ryu is who he is. He got beat by Santa Santamaria and like, what was it, like, two minutes five minutes five minutes, five five was, minutes yeah. i know that was i know there was a five minutes at the last correct
4: when it was under two minutes
3: yeah like it oh, this two,
4: one? It was, Oh wow yeah
3: it was it was bad it was and like i just i just don't care what's going on between them like as meaning yeah. as it sounds like it's just to me it's not interesting because i don't know that they can even do anything with it like regardless like if one of them leaves okay one of them left one of them went to a different unit but like what does that do for them you know because i don't feel like they're going to get elevated beyond where they are right now
2: it's, yeah. it's funny you mentioned this because i was going to bring it up as i haven't seen anything about it on the 2016 shows yet so i wonder if it's like been quietly dropped
3: i, I, see, it was, I haven't it, been that many
4: shows in 2016
3: i have That's i have correct. seen i have seen um a little bit though like just a little bit of disconnect between them like it's there it's very faint but it's there um and i i know it was i know it was back in um, December, but, like, they did have some issues during the Triangle Gate match, I'm pretty sure, because yeah. one of them hit the other when they weren't supposed to, and so I, like, I don't think that they've necessarily dropped it, I just don't know if they want to, lie. I don't even think they know what they want to do with it, because what what can you do with it? Like, it's it's not very much, you know, what if they have, they have a grudge match, I don't think anybody's really gonna care, one way or like, <laughs> <other. laughs> it sounds mean, but with the I position think- they're in...
4: I just think they need some troubles therapy. Just have, have one of the guys... Yeah. Just have... Give Doi a pair of glasses and just, like, have them do, like, a little reunion.
3: No, no, because Doi, no, Doi's evil. Like, we can't trust him. Did you see what he did to Dia Hearts and Monster Express? Did you see what he true. did? We can't trust him. We're going to
2: get into that. We're going to get into that. It's so, I, I actually... Maybe <laughs> I'm in the minority. I'm in the minority here, probably, but I wouldn't mind another kong babyface run like it's been a long time since we had one but um like i i liked him in kamikaze which i think i'm in a very 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 small minority on that but um yeah i don't know i I don't see any reason why he has to be a heel for the rest of his career like he's big and strong and stuff and he's not gonna do anything anyway so he could be a baby face in six mans and eight mans instead of a heel so i don't know i'd be okay with him turning i'm not sure it's gonna happen though um no, it's re- it's recording. Oh, sorry. I shouldn't have said that out loud. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway. <laughs> yeah,
4: so. so.
2: Cybercom. <laughs> Cybercom. Anything else from 2015 we want to cover? Uh, Are we going to still do awards? Yep. Yeah, we're going to do awards before right, we now. get into awards. To, is there anything else in 2015 uh, that we want, want to mention?
4: I miss BB Hulk.
2: Oh, I don't. Yeah. I
3: mean, B said that oh
2: that was case that
5: was
3: case what 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 is this you have a problem
5: it's not that i dislike bb hulk but i've never once been like ah i wish bb hulk was in this match it's like (laughs) if he's there that's cool like i like his kicks they're cool but when he's been hurt it's i've never had this like pit in my stomach of like you know what dragon gate's missing bb hulk
3: i don't necessarily uh, think, yeah, i get it i don't necessarily think it's dragon gate i think dia hearts is really suffering without Yeah, him that's, there, so.
4: that's true like, that
3: I, that was my- because without him without their leader without that like he's the personification of everything that unit is and without him there they haven't really been able to do anything and mm-hmm. even doi like brought it up which we'll get to later but like without him they've not you know gone very far and that's why um, that there's, you know, a little bit of fear with what's going to happen to them when the Max of Monster Express comes up because they haven't been able to do anything because he's been gone. And mm-hmm. I do miss his tag team with KZ, though, because I feel like they had such a fun chemistry together.
5: Yeah, I enjoyed that team. That's another one that uh, Angry really likes.
3: Yeah. I think they. I think that
4: if Hulk comes back soon enough, they could be the ones...
3: I feel like Hulk's going to come back and knock somebody out. Like, I don't like I don't know who it's going to be. It's going to be somebody. It's going to be Monster Express. It's going to be Yamadoi. You know, it's not going to be Shingo. But, like, he's going to come back and knock somebody out of their title spot because, you know, he's been gone for so long. Dragon Gate really loves him. They, you know, they book him pretty strong most of the time. So I feel like if they haven't, if Yamadoi haven't dropped their belts yet, I feel like he might grab a partner and go after them. I feel Isn't like it might be KZ. KZ.
4: I would love it to be KZ. KZ. I would love it to be KZ,
2: too, but KZ? I think it might KZ? end up being Mochi Hulk. I agree. I
3: wouldn't
4: mind a Mochi Hulk run.
3: Of course you wouldn't, Jules. I don't, I like, mean, I'm not saying
4: that I won't be the Mochi back, but maybe I won't. I do.
3: That if they, if they win those Twin Gate belts and they don't dance, I'm going to be so disappointed. Like, this is Me the too. one time when we can throw back to what was a very strange moment in time, you know, now that One Direction is broken up, it's time to reunite them. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so that was, that was the missing BB Hulk. Anything else from 2015?
3: Um, I mean, I guess
4: we're going to talk about him more as we get to what we expect from 2016, but I think we kind of have to talk about Elintaman Lindaman and what he's been doing since um, over generation started. Granted, it hasn't been that long. It's been like three months, but, but yeah, he's, he's,
2: clearly, he's clearly the guy that they want to have as, like, a big star in the future. So, <laughs> I think it is more to talk about 2016. But, yeah, he he did have a good end of 2015. He got a lot of pinballs so with that locomotion.
4: Yeah. I,
3: I and, so- oh, God,
4: yes. Yes. I feel yeah, like sorry,
3: I, Shane. The one other person we do need to talk about, though, is KZ. Because, like, as <laughs> underrated as he was, that match with Tozawa was...
2: Yeah, I mean, I had that That on my match match of the year list. I love that that,
3: match. That match was amazing. Like, I remember going into that match, I really didn't know what to expect because, like, KZ is so underrated. He's so good, but he's so underrated, and they don't really ever book him to do anything. And I'm like, he's probably not going to win this match. But then the match itself was incredible. Like, they had such great chemistry together, and their sequences were amazing. And, like, it blew, I think it blew almost everybody's expectations out of the water Mm -mm. with how good they managed to do.
4: And you know, the, the that match was you know, I mean, everybody was super happy for Tozawa. I do wish Casey had been champion for a little bit longer.
2: I, I definitely agree. Yeah. It could have had a defense against someone not named Mondai Ryu. <laughs> yeah.
4: And he could've still uh, dropped the belt to Tazawa later. But I really do wish he had
3: I, I feel bad for Casey himself. I feel like I feel like they're not they I don't feel like they're they've got it in mind to give him very much more than he's had, and that's, like, really disappointing. Like, I never see a moment where I think, okay, then they are booking him towards something stronger. Like, other than maybe, maybe the tag team with Hulk... That is, like, the only thing I see them, except maybe maybe a Triangle Gate run later on down the road. Probably not beating Monster Express, but, like, later on down the road. But I don't see them giving him another singles opportunity like they did. And that's really disappointing, because he, he does shine when they give him the opportunity. He really does. And his personality is so infectious.
4: And I think he works so much better as a face.
3: Oh, Which yeah. Is- which is strange
4: because he made most of his career as a heel, but I think he's so much better. He's so much more natural. John, the I The one
3: who wrote in your article that he spent the longest, like straight amount of time. Yes. As a heel. Yep. Yep. And he and- spent,
2: he, he he followed the, um, the heel unit lineage perfectly where he joined real hazard. He was one of the few guys who was a member of real hazard and didn't leave before deep drunkers. <laughs> so he was real hazard, deep drunkers, team joy, Blood Warriors, Mad Blanky. There were a lot of guys who did all of that except for Deep Drunkers. So he was the only one that was in all of those units together. Like Genki and Ryu Saito both were in all those units except for, well, they weren't in Mad Blanky either. But, um, Cybercon was in all those units except for Team Doi and, uh, Deep Drunkers. Oh God, there's somebody else. Naoki was not in, um, Real Hazard ever. It's, so, but he was the only one that was in all those units and like was a heel for that entire time. But yeah, and, I mean,
4: and, was... and yet I still think he worked so much better as a face. I agree, actually, I do agree.
3: I, I, yeah, I feel like the fans wanted an excuse to really, really, really get behind him and love him because he's got that you know that personality that even as a heel, you couldn't deny that he had so much charisma and personality. And he was such like even as a heel, he was such a <laughs> cheerful person. Like he, you know, getting into the KZ time thing and having such a good time that once they turned him face, of course, you know, the fans got behind him immediately because he's so good at it. Like, he's so natural.
4: Mm-mm-mm. Absolutely. So, yeah, 2015 could have been the year of KZ, but it wasn't. Sadness. <laughs> but overall... Sadness. Overall,
2: I think 2015 was a fantastic year.
4: Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think I saw Akira Tozawa cry way more than I should have.
3: <laughs> but... Oh, okay, the one other thing we need to talk about, then, would be when Uha left.
4: No, oh, yeah. That,
3: that was that the most no. horrifying, like, it was such a sweet ceremony, though, where they all came out and said something, even Mad Blanky came out, you know, were like, obviously they kept it short, except for Shema, because they're the bad guys, they can't be too, like, sweet and soft, and, like, but they, like, everybody came out, everybody talked to him, every, you know, everybody hugged him, and... But the most heartbreaking point was where Tozawa took the microphone, and he didn't even say anything yet, and Uha just, like, went down on his knees, because he knew it was going to be the worst part, the hardest part. Like, it was My just sad.
2: It was terrible. My favorite part was still, I am Don Fuji. Goodbye.
3: <laughs> that was, that was,
4: the best was honestly very touching, for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why, but...
3: If honestly, I like, have to, If I ever have to see KZ cry like that again, though, I'm gonna quit Dragon Gate, because that like was Like, yelling, awesome.
4: yelling through his tears.
3: And then he cried on the turnbuckle. Like, he went over and, like, laid his head on it and cried. And I'm like, can we stop this? This is too much. <laughs> Ooh, I have to terrible. say. This was terrible. Like,
4: this was terrible. Like, Horiguchi could barely talk, because no, no, he was no, chucked
3: up. Okay, I can't. So
4: <laughs> hard to talk, because <laughs> he was so chucked up. I could barely talk, because she was so chucked up. Like, everybody was, like, dying, and then obviously, you know, Tozawa, like, trying to keep it together, and then just, like, breaking the fuck down, I was...
3: He started sobbing on Uha's shoulder, and the microphone picked it up, and that was somehow the worst part. Like, you know, he was, you know, getting choked up, crying a little bit when he was talking, then they had their little, like, fist bump, and they hugged, and then he just broke down immediately, and it reminded me of, like, when Shima came to say goodbye to Uha, you could hear Uha, like, sobbing on his shoulder... And I'm like, that is just really heartbreaking to see them break down like that.
4: Mm-mm. And the fact that, you know, the, the entire thing started with, you know, Uha being like, well, you know, um, Shachi and Yoshino have the twin gates and Suzawa has the brave gate and, like, I failed to win the dream gate. And I was like, no, you were perfect. You didn't do anything wrong.
3: He apologized. And I'm like, that's the saddest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, the, the fact opinion- that he apologized to
4: them was, like, heartbreaking. Honestly, heartbreaking.
3: I don't ever want to hear Susumu close to tears like that again. Like, I've seen him cry too much in my time as a Dragon Gate fan. I don't want to see it again. This is too hard. Like,
2: Yeah. yeah. (laughs) There's a lot of crying in Dragon Gate, it's true. Too much.
3: (laughs) I like it, though. I like it, though, though because, you know, wrestling is so often seen as, like, this hyper-masculine form of sports, because it's just... Like, it's usually, anyway, and, you know, you have got promotions with women in it, but it's like most wrestling, you know, people think of these guys, like, beating each other up and stuff, but I feel like in Dragon Gate, you get to see, like, a lot more tenderness and, like, a lot more emotion, and I'm like, I like that, though, because it, like, subverts the idea that wrestling is just this hyper-masculine sport because they can have these moments where even the bad guys come out and say goodbye to somebody who was their friend and who, you know, they worked with. Like, it's just nice that they can do stuff like that
4: mm But yeah, I feel like I've seen of Zawa cry way too much, and I never <laughs> want to see that happen are again. You, are you
3: looking forward to seeing it again? Because I'm still thinking that Monster Express is... <laughs> 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 We're gonna have to talk <laughs> I predict I predict that
4: Monster Express are descending and that Suzawa is going to cry and that, like, everyone's going to cry.
3: I'm, I'm going to uh, cry. If Shashi's the one who gets pinned, I'm going to cry because...
2: right, we'll get into this. We'll yeah. get into this. I want to get in order. All right. So that's 2015. Great year, right? Everybody agrees?
3: Fantastic year. Yeah.
2: Okay. Best year
5: since 2011.
2: Yep, I agree with you. Uh, okay. So let's do our 2015 awards very quickly here. Um team of the year tag team of the year
4: i think is the easiest award in tag- the
2: history of award voting it has to be Stocking
4: it has to be punch and dama right oh, oh no
3: stop stop you stop that don't do that <laughs> <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's
4: definitely okay uh, can i say it can i say it go ahead tag team of the year is old man Doy and his lovely niece
3: <laughs> oh there it is there it is and gonna be so happy
4: So
2: Yamadoi, obviously, Obviously. there's no way, there's no argument. Like, this is as close to a factual opinion as you can have. (laughs) Who would you even argue had a better 2015 as a tag team in Dragon Gate? It's not even possible to argue.
4: Yeah, yeah. no, no, it's like, it's a fact, it's
3: just... (laughs) I don't think there's many other tag teams in professional wrestling that have the kind of chemistry with each other that they do. Oh, because yeah. everything with them is so smooth. All their tag team maneuvers are so smooth. They know each other so well and as a result, they've been able to build one of the most incredible tag teams in the world on that.
2: Now, I Jules, mean, I've only been best... a tag team of the year period, period of this year.
4: Yeah. So. like In any promotion for me, there were yeah. like ones that delivered the most consistently.
2: Jules, don't get mad at me when I say us.
5: I would compare their Tag team strength, how well they work together as a tag team, to the Young Bucks in a sense that no, they just don't flow that. together. Wait, so wait, wait, wait. wait, why?
4: Why would you think that? I get, would you? I
5: thought you were anti-Young
4: Bucks. I'm not. I just don't like their Twitter antics. Okay, that's.
3: I don't. What. I don't like their verbal antics during their matches. I'm only anti matt Jackson though. I like Nick a lot.
4: I think. I think the Young Bucks do like. They go overboard with like the cockiness and the act... But the wrestling is still what it is, and it, it's smooth, and it's fluid, and it's good. So.
5: Yeah, Yamadoi has really – they've developed into a world-class tag team, and they've been a lot of fun to watch this year. So, I mean, Yoshino and Sashioka Boy had a nice run, but they don't even come close to doing what Yamadoi did this year.
3: And Yamadori, right, so and they're in such an interesting position position for 2016 because they can't have these belts for much longer. Like, they've done so much with them, they can't seriously be planning on having them much longer. So then you reach the interesting point of who's going to be the team that knocks them down.
2: Yeah, and we talked about, a little bit about that already. I think I think a pretty good prediction is Hulk comes back and does it, but we'll see.
3: Yeah.
5: If, if, um, if I get the pencil for the territory, it's going to be Shima and El Lindaman, but that's not going to happen. So let's just move on. I want El
4: <laughs> I want I want Linda for Brave Gate.
2: So. Yeah, that that would actually work. Linda beats Katoka. All right, yep. so. Show of the year, I think Gate of Destiny is my yeah. pick for this. Yeah, I think we're are we all in agreement yeah, on this. Gate of Destiny
5: won my overall show of the year for the Observer
2: Awards. It so did. It won mine. It won mine too. Yeah, yeah. So we're all in agreement about that one. Yep. So that was just a fantastic show. I mean, from top to you have first of all it was it was a it was a newsmaking show because you had the debut of Over Generation right at the start. And I can't think of the last time a unit debuted in the opening of a major pay-per-view like that. Like, it's probably been a while, Mm -hmm. if if it ever has even happened. So that was pretty cool. And then on top of that, you just had a fantastic show with, like, so many amazing matches. Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah.
5: Yeah, in my review, I gave... Uh, Four matches, four stars or better. I had the Brave Gate match between Tozawa, Kotoka, and Tanazaki, which we talked about earlier at four stars. I had the Triangle Gate match between uh, Shima, Fuji, and Gama versus Susumu, Saito, and Kei Ness at four stars. I had the Twin Gate match between Yamadoi, uh, Yoshino, and T-Hawk at four and a half. And then the main event, which was my match of the year, which we'll get to in a second, uh, Shingo mm-hmm. and Mochizuki. And I've, hey. a, I've got a hot take about that. So I'm not blowing the uh, the lead there yet. I've got a hot take to make about that in a minute. So hey. that
4: transitions. <laughs> you, you, you are the one who wrote that review where you were like, Seahawk wasn't there for Yoshino the way that Doi was there for Yamato or something like that.
3: Yeah. That I hate you. my heart. Like, <laughs> it's okay, not my fault. fault, it's t fault.
4: It's <laughs> true! No, I hate you because it's true, but I hate the way that you put it, like,
3: don't play with my emotions like that. I <laughs> came up really in emotional. one of mine and Jules' conversations at one point, like, we were talking about it and, like, how heartbreaking that was and I'm like, now I know the person who wrote it, I'm like, I'm gonna I'm gonna, <laughs> gonna boost your ass.
2: Revelations here on <laughs> open the voice gate.
4: But yeah, uh, yeah, it was a great show. It was a great match, and you were totally right about that case. It's just the wording was like kind of heartbreaking. That was,
2: that was that was maybe my favorite match review from 2015. That was pretty amazing. All right, so <laughs> match of the year. Um, yeah, as Case just said, Mochizuki Shingo. It wasn't my match of the year from any promotion because I I liked Tanahashi Nakamura like, a tiny bit better, but it was still, like... It was the Dragon Gate match of the year to me, and it was just... I mean, the story of... You have these two dudes, okay? You have this one very old man, and you have Shingo, who's his prime. And the story of the <laughs> old man...
3: <laughs> Sorry. He's old, Jules! Just live with it! He's old! Okay? <laughs> okay, you have
2: the... Continue. Continue, please. You you have the old star, the the man with so much fighting spirit, who refuses to lose... But his body finally just gives out on him, and he finally can't do it. No matter how many times he fires up, no matter how many times he kicks out, Shingo is just not, it's just not possible for him to beat Shingo on this day. So I thought that story was just perfect. I thought the match was almost perfect. Fantastic match. It blew away even. I had high expectations for it, and it still blew it away. So that's to tell you all you need to know about that match. I, Jules, what was your match of the
4: year? What?
2: What was your match of the year?
4: In Dragon or overall. Dragon Gate, yeah.
2: Joel, it's a yeah.
4: Dragon Gate podcast. Come on now. <laughs> I don't know because John mentioned their own match of the year, so. All right. I was, fair
5: enough. Fair enough.
4: No, yeah, that was that was uh, Mochi versus Shingo. Absolutely, I thought was just. The, I mean, I don't even have words. I know it made the top three on my overall match of the year list. And, I just I don't have like much to add to to what you just said because. It was really the story of, well, first of all, obviously, like the entirety of Shingo's run so far, it was the story of generations. And to see Mochi going all out like this at his age, yes, I'll admit it, um, (laughs) it was really impressive, especially since he didn't waste any time. Like It was pretty much the moment the bell rang, he was after Shingo's head. And I think that was really just incredible. And I feel like Mochi was kind of trying to teach Shingo a lesson. And ultimately that didn't happen. But, I mean, I'm pretty much just speechless about how, you know, like, good from a wrestling standpoint it was. And also how high on emotion it was. For me, like, it was pretty much perfect. I really, really loved it. So that was my, my match of the year in Dragon Gate, definitely. What was your match of the year, Shane?
3: Uh, think, well, yeah, I'd say um, in Dragon Gate, that match. Because, I mean, like I said before, if stardom hadn't been what it was this year, then it probably would have been higher on my list than it was. But um, just everything that went into that match was incredible. Like, you know, these guys going to put on a great match. I think everybody knew ahead of time that they were going to have an incredible match together. But then, like, everything that they... Put out there, everything that they, yeah, I just found my match list of the year, and they were the highest dragon gate match I do have on there, but like everything that like especially mochizuki put into that match was just incredible, like he's always been amazing, but you know with when some guys get older and it happens to everyone, you know when some guys get older, you just occasionally have it where they can't perform at the level that they were before, like he's always performed at a really high level, even at his age, but I felt like he went above and beyond um. Like all, like he went above and beyond, and then you know it was on Shingo I think to like reach that level too because Shingo's always been amazing, but like his heel run just I feel like it changed everything for him. I feel like it changed his entire character, and then to have them clash and I know the fans were like really emotionally invested in it because they didn't want to see Shingo win, they didn't want to see him beat Mochi, and then of course he did, and like the silence, all the heat in the room being sucked out, like it was just such a great moment and it was really cool like as a person who's watched a lot of western wrestling it was really cool to see them finally be like this is the new young guy we're gonna let him beat the older guys like he just beats someone who's like you guys all love him and it doesn't matter because this is our new guy and this is the one we're putting our hope in and it was just such a great moment and it was everything that i'd wanted to see out of a match between those two and then more on top of that
2: so, Case, I think you spoiled it already, but what was your match of the year
3: pick?
5: So, my match of the year was Shingo versus Mochizuki, and the greater point that I wanted to make was that I'm okay with saying this is the best Dragon Gate match of all time. Um, not including Dragon Gate UK, so just Dragon Gate Japan, I've given three matches, five stars. The Kobe World 2005 match between Blood Generation and Do Fixer, the Kobe World 2011 match between Shima and Ricochet and uh, Pac and Dragon Kid, in this match. And I think I can comfortably say that this match was better than both of those. Uh, Shingo Mochizuki, my 2015 match of the year. And I'm now running with the narrative, narrative that it's the best
2: Dragon Gate match of all time. Case is making history here on the first episode of Open the Voice Gate. I don't know There's, if it's my favorite Dragon Gate match of all time. I'd have to think about that for so for a long time. It would be up there. It would be. I have no doubt it would be top three at least. Maybe may eh, top five for sure, but I'd have to think about this. So besides but,
5: that, what were some other matches you guys really like? Because uh, I'll go ahead and say this. Uh, Yoshino and T-Hawk from Kobe World um, and the Jimmys versus Mad Blanky from Dangerous Gate. Those just missed my top ten, but then my number ten this year was actually Akira Tozawa and Shingo from King of Gate, uh, May 8th and Cork and Hall.
2: Mm-mm. I really liked Tozawa, KZ. Um, like if I was gonna do a top three, it would probably be Tazawa Casey would be I think number three, Jimmy's versus Matt Blanker would be number two, and then um, the obviously Shingo Mochi would be number one. Mm-mm. Amigo tag and the Jimmy's is really good too. Remember that?
5: Yeah, that was good stuff.
4: I think um, there was one other Dragon Gate match on my match of the year list, and it was Yamadoi versus Kanesaka. Um, oh, really good from I think it was in October. I do believe it was like the payoff of the Summer Adventure Tad League. Yeah,
2: yeah. Um,
4: and I really loved this. Like I've loved a lot of Yamadoy, um title defenses, but this was definitely my favorite.
2: Yamadoy, yeah, I remember liking them against I think Saida and Ricochet too. Oh yeah, that was
4: really good too. Yeah,
2: that was really good too.
4: I so. Just one, maybe, criticism that I have about that one match, which is really weird considering that I'm me, is that Yamato was, like, really playing up his antics. I think he was, like, fixing his hair after every single move.
5: Well, when you've got a—I mean, as Jules and I once discussed, I sexually identify as straight with room for Yamato— uh,
2: Matt space
5: <laughs> on that list. Um, so maybe Yamato just felt a little bit intimidated by having Matt Seidel in that match.
4: Are you, are you suggesting that Matt Seidel is as pretty as Yamato? I'm
5: not. The I, hey, the I'm just saying Seidel is a very handsome man. See, I every every
3: every positive opinion I had about Seidel, like I was after his match with Omega and he's like yelling Namaste in the ring, I'm like, pal, I don't think we can I don't think we can have this positive relationship anymore, because 'cause you're starting to stress me out with all this weird yelling you're doing. <laughs> he's a great wrestler, but I felt like everything um that entire match, I'm just like, please, please, why are is- you the more embarrassing one against Kenny Omega? Why are you doing this to me? He's supposed to be the one who took it up to eleven. He's such a loud, angry hippie, is what it is. Like, I'm honestly,
4: that... go for it. Honestly, Matt, Se- just like this whole like hashtag reborn Matt Seidel just makes me think that he just escaped from a cult. I might <laughs>
5: have, but I don't even think he's the weirdest Seidel brother. Because Mike, we sort of forgot oh, to touch on this. Mike was no. doing moon with with yoga mats this year in Dragon Gate. Yeah,
3: that, that was ridiculous. Re- is- <laughs> I think I, I think one of these days, like the tag team is going to go to New Japan or Dragon Gate, and it's just going to be terrible. It's going to be there. The antics are going to be insane. There's going to be yoga mats. They're going to be yelling, and I'm going to be like, "Please just stop, please like, <laughs> just don't do this." It's just so so weird. I don't yeah. know
2: how we end up on, on I'm not, But yeah, no, I'm.
3: <laughs> but Ricochet's more handsome than Side is.
2: I agree. 100%. So like.
4: But then again, right, that right. could be yet another podcast, so we're just going to leave it at that probably.
2: So, the MVP of right, um, uh, Giant Gate in 2015, I think. The MVP?
4: Pretty clearly Shingo yeah. Takagi.
2: Yeah.
4: yeah. Yeah. Shingo Takagi, you could also make a strong case for Tazawa, but I think Shingo just takes it home.
5: Shingo finished off the year much stronger than Tozawa, but Tozawa was more yeah. consistent. So I gave my vote to Tozawa just because I also voted him for most outstanding um, in my Mm-mm. Observer Awards, but you could really go either way there.
2: Mm-mm. All right. So that, I think that's enough 2015 review. I think we basically covered everything. If you, d- you had like some kind of question about 2015, after listening to this, you can always tweet at one of us on Twitter. I'm going to set up like a, um, a podcast specific you know Twitter account after this is over especially now that we agreed on an, an episode, a name or something so it would have been nice to do that first I can tell you the Twitter account on the first episode but uh, I guess search for open the voice gate because that'll be what you know that'll be the title that'll be our name
3: at least like do it immediately because yeah. this goes up before we do it somebody else is going to snag it and we're going to have to like figure out something else
4: <laughs> we can still do the Miracle Doi Darts podcast adventure. <laughs> I, Chase, I, I have
5: a strange love for Doi Darts, and I just want to incorporate that into my everyday life somehow.
3: That's strange. Doi is amazing. Case, now that we brought up Doi Darts, I have to ask how was seeing Okira Tazawa in a Indiana Jones fedora hat for you? How was that? Oh experience? my
5: goodness. Let me tell you. Um, it's, it's the. People, if any kids
4: are listening, stop.
5: It's my it's human being in the world wearing an Indiana Jones hat. I'm not sure where I'm supposed to go in life now.
2: So, um, I guess we can talk briefly about the because we're already getting close to two hours here. The but, show. Yeah, the Kurekian show. Um, actually, you know what? We're not close to two hours because I forgot our recording includes like 15 minutes of us just screwing around so that won't be on the podcast fucking around <laughs> so kirk and hall um unfortunately yeah. case has not seen the show yet which it's, is funny He's course, the only
5: the, i'm the one that's reviewing the show for
2: voice of wrestling and i haven't seen the show yet so very the other three half well, the other three of us half. so um i enjoyed the kirk and hall um, show a lot i actually liked it better than i even thought i would but, um, you know, they, they did a pretty damn good job with that card considering they have to base it around this legitimately random selection for this 10-man tag. But um, <laughs>
3: The selection could not have been worse, though, for, like, Shingo because, like, the old men that he beat up and he's on a team with them, like, I'm surprised he yeah. didn't, like, just walk out. Like, no, I'm not doing this. And, they and, like, it was so funny to watch that team break down.
2: And, it was, it was and a, Don
3: Fusco slapping everybody.
2: The main event was really, really interesting for that reason because of all the guys on opposite sides and stuff, and it was it was a really, really, really fun match. Like I enjoyed the hell out of that match.
3: My favorite spot you... is still when they were all making fun of Yamato's hair.
4: Yeah. And everyone's and it's, doing I the think she's and then she goes think... like,
3: I am not gonna do this and then Mr. Nakagawa throws him out of the ring and does it. And the funniest part though is that people Mr. Nakagawa is of course uh, the younger uh the longer the long black hair, you know, people call him the referee they they call him little Yamato because of the hair. And to have him mock Yamato's like hair petting was just such a great little cherry on top of the Sunday because it just like brought that little thing full circle. I just was so angry. I think Mr.
4: Nakagawa that- should be our MVP.
2: Yeah. I love him so much. Shingle wouldn't do it. Friggin' Cybercon did it, buddy. If Cybercon can do it, you can do it.
4: Stop being such a jerk. Even when Shingo, the- like the He's like, I'm gonna burn all the fuck. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he that's pretty good.
2: much what happened. <laughs> but um, he's a jerk.
3: The main event was great, and then what happened after was terrible. Horrible. Why did they, Why do people listen to DoY? Of all the people, you let rile <laughs> you up. You let him! Like, the one person you know who runs his mouth and gets everybody in trouble, and that's the one you let rile you up into compromising your entire unit.
2: So, <laughs> before we get into, into that, anything, some other stuff on the undercard. Um, the semi-main, the six-man tag was really fun. I enjoyed that a lot, too. Um... <laughs>
4: I don't. Oh I don't, my yeah. God! Otsuji took so much punishment towards the end. He did. He did. It's true. It.
2: Uh, I don't know if there's well, a lot okay. else to, Like, not a lot else really happened on that undercard. I don't feel like the. I was a um, little surprised. What? What's up? The opener was. I was. I thought it was really really fun to watch. Yeah, I was about to mention that. I was about to mention Ishida and Yamamura against Yoshino and. Uh, I guess. Sach- no, those, those
3: kids, those kids really pulled it out. They really did.
2: Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. Like they can go. Um, and uh, so, uh, I and know, I'm always here. happy. Sorry. Yeah. I was just gonna say, no, no, Yoshino and Sachi are you're... such a fun team together, and um, Ishida and Yamamura are keep progressing. So I, I was actually kind of surprised they did one of them didn't even pin. Sachioko boy, I thought they might that might happen and it would have played into the theme at the end where poor Sachi thinks he's useless, but in the end, you know, Amigo Tag got the win. Mm-mm.
4: Um I was looking forward to Overgeneration versus Jimmy's um that succession cycle versus eight times I was surprised though that Linda was the one who got him. So
2: back with Kirk and Hall now. Um Sorry, so there'll be a little weird for the, for the podcast listeners, a little weird cut there where we had to like stop and restart because Skype is weird. So I apologize for that. It's going to be a little awkward. Um, we were talking about the opener, which was pretty fun, and I was saying it was a little surprising. Sachiko Boy didn't get pinned because it would have played into his storyline at mm-hmm. the end of the night anyway. Yeah, but it's fine. I guess. And
4: Yeah.
2: How about the fact that like in, I think it was Kyoto. One of the, one of them pinned Shima. I think it was Yamamura, right? I, yeah, it was yeah. Yamamura. Yeah.
4: yeah.
2: So that was really interesting. Mm-hmm. But that that's not a televised show though, so we'll never see it, unfortunately.
4: Sadness. But yeah, you're talking about surprising surprising results. I really thought, like, I didn't think for a second that Overgeneration were winning against the Jimmies. Oh but no. i Especially I, not with I really, the two moves in that match. I really thought Aita was the one getting pinned. Like he, it's not like he has anything left to lose right now.
3: He's at the bottom of the totem pole again.
4: Just... And whereas Linda has been, you know, getting a lot of pinfalls, and I really thought that he would be, like, um, safe from getting pinned, and I really thought Aita was the one eating the pin.
2: Yeah. No, I could, I could definitely see it. But...
3: Linda got a lot of um, – L. Lindeman got a lot of offense in, though, against the Jimmies, especially against Susumu, which I was, you know, even, even the Susumu fan that I am, I'm really happy to see Linda get that kind of offense in because that means that they really do have faith in him going forward, and they really are building him up for something great, whether he took the pinfall or not. Like, the fact that, you know, they don't... When it comes to, like, the younger guys, especially in places like Japan, they don't always let them get in a lot of offense against, you know, guys that high on the card. So it was kind of a nice show of faith.
4: Mm Mm-mm. Yeah, I really... I like that match. I thought he was absolutely fine. Did we lose people...
2: No, everybody's stuck okay. here, I think. <laughs> Remember, Casey's not going to have anything to say, because <laughs> Yeah, I hope we're not spoiling the results, by the way.
5: No, I do, that doesn't bother me.
2: Okay. Um, well, I don't know if we have a lot to add before we get into the, the post-show angle now, but um, so at the end of the show, Naroki-Doi, being Naroki-Doi, <laughs> is like, hey, dear your hearts, you're useless without BB B. Hulk. Monster Express, you're just useless in general. <laughs> Why don't you guys have a unit must spam match? And at first, they have the reaction you expect them to have. Mokizuki's well, no. like, why would we do that? We have no beef with Monster Express. And Monster Express is like, yeah, let's not do this. But then friggin' Big Shimizu <laughs> has to be like, I am a big stupid man, and I am way into this, and let's do what I want to fight. And T-Hawk even tries to calm him down, and is like, look, I have been through a unit to spam match before, buddy you have not i have been through this with the millennials okay you do not want to go through this but he can't convince him to stop and then Echo boy is like you know i feel really useless i need to fight like this to prove my you know prove my worth and tozawa basically cries and is like <laughs> you're not useless there's no monster express without you
3: monster express
2: yeah so the two units the two units that have no issue Agree to have a Unimusters fan match because A, Naoki Doi is an asshole and B, Big Arshamizu is a crazy, stupid man <laughs> that should never be given a microphone nobody, again.
3: Nobody stopped him either. Like They were like, we don't want to do that. And then he like went off. And like they <laughs> just
4: funny, I had <laughs> not look at like, KZ's face. KZ was just like, I no. finally found a place where I'm fitting in and I don't have to do evil shit and you're just ruining that. And I was KZ
3: just... Has- I was really just really surprised that Mochi wasn't just like kicking Shimizu in the face. Hulk is going to come home and be like, Mochi, why didn't you stop this? Like, I left you in charge when I left, and this is how you repay me.
2: Poor poor KZ just had a look on his face like, you know, just just abject horror Mm -hmm. of what he was was hearing. Just like confusion and horror at what Shimizu was saying. Like, he just, I don't know. KZ has the greatest facial sometimes, and he just had this facial expression of like, what is this man saying? <laughs> what is this
3: large it, man saying? It's, like the panic just rose in his face. <laughs> it's funny because when <laughs> I watched when I watched when I watched it originally, I thought that Doi was trying to get them to do another three way unit like losing unit disband match. I'm like, why in the world would you want to do this so soon after you lost the last one? Like this isn't even the people that you have beef with who ended your old unit. Why are you trying to do this? And then it came out. It's like, no, he's just making them fight each other. And I'm like, why are they listening to him? <laughs> like, he's renowned for shit-talking and getting under people's skin, and they're listening to him. And then just, he's like, nashy, nashy over and over again, telling them that, telling them <laughs> what does that even mean? it means nothing. He's telling them you're nothing. And I'm like, that's uh-huh. rude. And they just yeah. and, th- and then they fell for it. And I'm like, how do you get tricked? But, you know, you've been here so long. How did you let this dude who you've wrestled against for so many years trick you into doing this?
2: It was something. And and it's funny
3: because that actually works out in Berserk's favor because it doesn't really matter who loses. That means that they have another unit down that they don't have to worry about. Because (laughs) with every, you know, with every other group either being face or tweener, like, you know, there was a lot of people talking about what if, like, Dia Hearts joined up with the jimmies and, like, to take out Berserk. So Berserk's just, like, being smart enough to, like, weasel their way in there and make sure that their opponents are going down. And I think, you know, I don't know if Dragon Gate will throw this back, but, like, Doi knows that like you don't want other groups coming after you because that's what ha- That's how you lose your group. So he's just like yeah. casually making them all disappear so that Berserk doesn't have to worry about it.
2: That is kind of funny. Um, that's that is a good plan by him. I guess. although it could backfire if the losing unit joins up with like one of the one of the remaining. I mean, units.
4: it is it is going to backfire. When has something that Doi has done or said never backfired? <laughs>
2: I mean, it was his fault Matt Blanky ended. So, I mean, <laughs> all right. So, um, so let's pre- let's I guess preview. First of all, the unit must disband match.
4: No. I, These are my uh, thoughts on this match. I don't want it no. to happen.
2: Well, it is happening. I think so, I, I think
4: Monster Express is disbanding. I am leading that
2: way too. I stand. I really, I want Dia to lose. I really want Dia to lose, mm-hmm. but I don't think he's going to lose. The,
3: then that brings up, you know, the interesting question a lot of people were talking about is that Monster Express, three of the members, are holding the Triangle Gate Championships, so people are wondering how much longer they're going to be holding them if Monster Express disbands.
4: Yeah. Well, just I don't say, it, they they think just so. Because
3: with the, cause the, with the way they're setting it up, them disbanding would mean that they're not Monster Express anymore, and they're not teaming with Shachi anymore, but they still have the titles, and they still are a little three-man unit unto themselves, so it makes me think that if their unit disbands that they won't be holding those titles for much longer.
5: See, that's where I disagree, because we had the Fuji-Gama-Shima team for a while, and for a while, most of they were all uh, unitless, and then for a while it was just Fuji, but you've got to remember that there's no place for those guys to go immediately because Yoshino is not going to go to Berserk, and well, hopefully he's not, because I don't want to see a Doi Yoshi reunion. I uh, so do how that
3: would happen. Doi can turn on him again.
5: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just so hasn't why, does that. He,
3: why does he keep forgiving him, is my question. Why do you keep forgiving him? He will never
5: learn. No. It's a bond of friendship. It's a powerful thing. But, um. <laughs> You've got Tozawa, who doesn't really have anywhere to go immediately, and then you've got T Hawk, who just now found his footing. And if he ends up titleless and unitless, I think T Hawk is in a very bad position for any chance of him becoming a future star. So I think that Monster Express will lose, but that's going to be a Triangle Gate team until I would say at least dead or alive.
2: Yeah, that's a good good prediction. What what do you do? What do you do with D F? They lose though. There's my question. They, they don't... Like, let's say Dia loses. What do you do with them? I think Shimizu is turning. Yeah. And so they're leading to something. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's a big he's idiot temper. who gets pinned all the time. He's an idiot like... and
3: he's got a temper and, like, they, they could heal turning. But it's kind of the rest of the unit. What what do you do with them? Like, they've well, they the not... Well, the thing
5: really... with Shimizu is also, uh, one, Berserk already has Cybercon, who's their big guy, and two, Shimizu and Shingo sort of have a little bit of an issue. So... While it would make complete sense for him to turn, he is not exactly going to be welcomed into open arms in Berserk.
2: Mm-hmm. That's true. Well, we'll see, I guess. I don't know. I mean, I just feel like it has to be going somewhere with him because he's been booked so weekly over the last, like, six or eight months. Mm-hmm. It's just, I don't
3: know. You uh... take too, but I don't know how much they've got planned for him.
2: Yeah, I think UT is just a job or jobber. Does
3: that, that's, that's really sad because UT, you know, I mean, the charisma, he's still got to work on it, but he's a good wrestler. He really is a good wrestler. And it's just, you know, it's kind of a bummer to see him getting jobbed out to, like, everybody. I remember, I don't remember who it was, but somebody making the comment that even, like, Jimmy Conda pinned him with like the elbow move, and I'm like, okay, yes, like, that was. A, I'm like, because like I hum- love Jimmy humiliating- Conda, but who loses to that move now? that humiliating pinfall, That's too. Pose. And- you got a dude posing over your face, and
4: you're just- <laughs> terrible. I just uh, poor U-T. yeah, I just UT was saying recently that um he was like gonna turn things around in 2016, and I think if Monster Express. Um, survive this match. I think UT might end up with them.
3: Yeah, maybe. He That's just a- my what? I said he wouldn't be a bad fit for Monster Express.
4: No, no, no. But I really think we're losing Monster Express, and I think yeah. you know we're losing Monster Express. Um, f- just for the purpose of what I my my theory about Tazawa being the one to dethrone Shingo, just take everything away from him. And then yeah. have him, you know, win against impossible odds. But maybe I'm just being too dramatic.
3: No, I
2: think
4: that's a
3: good theory. Shing- it's something Dragon Gate. Would and, do. and like Shingo pinned Hozawa. and that that's a big deal. That is a big deal. And there's the and there's the history
4: between between them that is there too. So.
3: Yeah. Yeah. But it it yeah they they take Monster Express away. He's lost Monster Express. Um, all the
2: they take the Triangle Gate the triangle away. Triangle Gate. Yep. You
3: mm-hmm. know. Um, They take everything away from him, and then he comes back at Kobe World and beats Shingo. It's gonna be, you know, the perfect end to the story.
4: I think that's how it might happen, to be honest.
2: Yeah, I could see it. But
4: yes, I don't, yeah, I
3: don't, I don't think there's, people, there's
4: definitely
3: if it's not gonna be Tozawa, then I don't know who else. Like
2: it has to be it would be Hulk. Yeah,
3: I know people, people think if it's not Tozawa, <laughs> it's gonna be Hulk. And I really don't like I love BB Hulk. I really do. I love everything about him, but I really don't think we need another Dreamgate reign for him this soon after his last one, and definitely not against you know, not beating Shingo Takagi. Like he doesn't he doesn't need you know, he doesn't need that. Like it would be so much a better fit for Tozawa. That it would be for BB Hulk.
2: So you know, if we get into fantasy booking, I could do I could do Hulk beats Shingo has a short reign. He loses to Tozawa, to mm. which makes sense because they were former partners and yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then Tozawa still has Shingo defense because he never beat Shingo. Mm-mm. So I could see them doing that too. But,
4: but but I you know still stand my still stand my case for Tozawa to take the title out of Shingo just because of the fact that they probably know that the emotional response they will get to that will be off the charts.
2: Now watch the sumer win next month and all of this. Honestly,
4: I wouldn't,
3: I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be sad time. at all
2: about that. I wouldn't either. I, I, I love the to not, it's, when not I think.
3: Gonna, it's not going to happen, but that's my man. And if he comes out the winner of that match by some weird astronomical chance, then I would be ecstatic. I don't think it's going to happen, but like, it's been so long since his last Dreamgate reign, and he's such a great wrestler that, like, it wouldn't be a terrible thing to have him be the Dreamgate champion.
4: Mm-hmm. If like, it does hey, happen... You...
2: But... Go ahead. i oh, sorry, go ahead.
5: I'll go. Uh, yeah. If it does happen, I don't think that would have been the initial plan. I think that would be them covering up the disdain that the Dragongate
4: fanbase has for yeah. Shingo. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I can see that happening, to be uh, honest. I...
3: I do want to say one thing, though. If their plan is to have Hulk come back and beat Shingo, then Dia Hearts is the team that needs to just ban. Because it would be so much more fitting for Hulk to come back and beat Shingo if, in his absence, Berserk was responsible for Dia Hearts. he's pissed? Because it, yeah, it doesn't... You know, Big O'Shea Mizu is the idiot who got them into this mess because they let him talk on the microphone. But it's still Naruki Doi, who planted the seeds there and it's still berserk who's going to be responsible for the fact the match even happened so if Dia Hearts goes down then I could see Hulk coming back and being the one who beat Shingo but like to have Monster Express be the unit that takes the fall and then for Tozawa to not beat Shingo I feel like whatever unit goes is going to be the direction they need to go with whoever yeah. actually beat Shingo I agree I,
2: that's a good that's a good point. I, I, completely, I completely agree yeah you can even look at this as maybe a spoiler yeah. Whoever, whichever unit loses, it'll either be Tozawa or Hulk. That's a good point. Alright, so, is there anything else we want to talk about before we wrap up our first episode?
3: Maria.
4: Uh, Linda Mann.
3: <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean Maria as in, like, she, she's been picking up a lot of wins lately. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't exactly know what they would do with her because maybe, maybe, the, maybe, the Brave Gate, maybe... But, like, I don't see that either. But, like, they've been booking her pretty strong lately. And then she had that, you know, it was a pretty competitive match with Mochi. Like, she... It wasn't... I really loved it. Come on, though. She shined. She really did shine. She shined. And I don't think anybody expected that out of, you know, such a strange matchup. But she did a really good job. And he clearly had to respect her. So, like, I feel like they're building her up in some direction. I just don't know which one it would be because I don't... I see Linda going after the Brave Gate. I don't see it being her, so I don't know where they, she would factor in right now.
2: Um, well, I could see I could see her getting a Brave Gate shot and not winning.
3: Yeah, yeah, I actually
4: uh, wouldn't that try it. Kotoka's kind of
3: fair though. My my
4: own theory of Kotoka running through the millennials. Well, the yeah. ex millennials except for Seahawk, but I think you know he could Kotoka, Kotoka could definitely do that. Like, beat like he he be he could beat Aita. He could beat Maria. I don't think they'll ever gonna take Ut seriously enough to give him a title <laughs> shot. But he could beat Maria, and then Linda could come in.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I want to say though, Kotoka's finishing move scares me because he's, you know, he's, got a, he's got a nasty habit of landing on their collarbones, and like he landed on Aita's face. Like I know a lot of people were criticizing Nakagawa for like flubbing the count. But I think what happened was that Ada I think Ada like was in serious danger there for a minute because Kotoka landed on his face, and I think Nakagawa like hesitated hesitated like he knew something had gone wrong there because if you saw Ada after he took that move, he looked completely out of it. like people it were wondering bad. if he people were wondering if he'd gone to the hospital like they were worried about him until he showed up at ringside again because of co- the way Kotoka landed that move and I'm like can you please pick something less likely for you to end up on somebody's face or neck because someone's yeah. going to get hurt
4: someone's going to die wait
2: <laughs> murder kotoka yeah.
3: it's the next step honestly in his
4: in his own personal <laughs> story I think murder might be the next step
3: in which case in which case if and I think Kotoka will lose the brave gate this year in which case what happens to I him? fucking hope so <laughs> 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 if I have to go through all of 2016
2: with Kotoka as champion. Not, it... I might fly to Japan and have a one-man riot. He's <laughs> <laughs>
4: nice toughed down, first of all, and I really think he dies nice taking it.
3: But um, I wonder what happens to him after that because I mean I don't know if they'll keep him a heel forever or if they'll ever try to redeem him because I mean it would be possible to at this point because he he literally lost it like. He didn't just decide one day, I'm going to be a bad guy. He, he his like, you could see his mental state just slowly deteriorate. It
4: was a process and that's why I was telling, like, that's what I, uh, I was saying at the beginning that the character work that he did for me was one of really the highlights of 2015.
2: Yeah, he just kind of like, he finally snapped, like you guys said before. He was just, it was too much for him <laughs> finally to deal with. He was like, this is the only solution to become Black Man. Uh, <laughs> All right, so I think, that, I think that kind of wraps things up. Very good first episode, I think. Not to tutor on own horn, but I had a lot of fun doing it. So I hope the listeners had a lot of fun listening. I'm proud of us for putting this together, putting together a very diverse podcast, probably the most diverse one in wrestling history as far as like yeah. as orientation and gender identity goes. So good work. And
4: else. you even have a French person.
2: We even have a French person, Yay! <laughs> Case is here as the token straight cis male. <laughs> yeah, <okay>. The what? <laughs> the token straight guy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the token straight guy that leaves
5: a little room for Yamato.
4: With a little room. I true. mean, there's always a little room for Yamato. <laughs> yeah. Always.
2: So, I... Guess that will wrap things up. Look out for episode 2. I don't know how often we're going to do these. Maybe twice a month, maybe once a month. I don't I
4: know. I think I think once a month should be a good thing
2: probably. Yeah. Maybe I mean maybe we could do twice a month when there's like big shows going on
3: mm-hmm. or something. We could mm-hmm. occasionally we could maybe occasionally do like one of those little like goofy things where we talk about the aesthetics or something. Just, fun. Just, right. for fun. just for fun because there are people out there that like that I mean if you've ever gone on Tumblr there's people who talk about the way that wrestlers look and dress and the you know the color schemes of the units and stuff like maybe something just, like there I mean,
4: just color like, schemes uh, tell, the, tell the story as well yeah.
3: yeah
2: I wouldn't mind doing the occasional like history episode too but I, I'd have to find another old person to do one of those with me <laughs> <laughs> but We'll see. Well we got, we have lots of big plans yep. basically. So again, Being lived in 2016. <laughs> thank you for joining us on our first episode. Thank you. Keep keep your eyes peeled for episode two. Keep your eyes peeled for our Twitter account that I'll try to have set up <laughs> very very soon after this goes up. Um, you can follow us on Twitter. I am at <laughs> two shan in L A., which you will never be able to spell. But just search for I don't know what you should search for um jules you're at sugoo with two u's yeah case is at underscore in your case and shane you have a locked account i think yeah i so. do have a locked account yeah so don't shane will tweet on our maybe on our dragon gate yeah podcast yeah. account when we get that set up alright folks thank you for listening to the first episode of open the voice gate We will see you soon.
1: Here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax prices may vary for delivery.